Hey guys, so as promised yesterday, we are diving into the full length episode of the Bud Tender Series 2.0 podcast. I'm really lucky to have Kayla, Mike, and Jordan on today. It was a great conversation. We tackled a lot of different topics, primarily focusing around Bud Tenders and just the industry as a whole. We had a lot of product talk, a little bit of grow talk. And I'm looking forward to getting you guys' feedback on this episode. But with that being said, let's dive right into it. Mike, what do you do in the industry? Or do you go by Michael? Mike? Either or. All right. Um, uh, Right now, I'm working in post-harvest and cultivation for a bull rider and split members. Um, but previously I was a bud tender at uh, Fire and Flower in Topeka. And then before that, I was in the restaurant industry. Cool, cool. So you've been in a few different places then. That's cool. I get bored fast. <laughs> I like to, like, yeah, I, I like to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Keep learning. How about yourself? I'm a nurse. I'm a registered nurse uh, that does cannabis education. Full time gig tight. now. <laughs> yeah, I quit the big guys a couple months ago, so it's nice to just fully step into it. Where so. were you before? I worked at Merge for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So during my last maternity leave, um, well, I call my pandemic saver because I got taken out like second wave because I was pregnant. <laughs> and then, yeah, I built my um, independent practice through that. Thank you. Uh, through that entire year. So. Yeah, and then within like three months of returning to the system, I was able to like, see ya, this is crap. <laughs> I had my major shift too, was in the middle of the pandemic. Like I was already growing, I was already doing this anyway, but like mm-hmm. it really just pushed everything forward. I didn't want to go back to the restaurant industry because it was crashing. Mm-hmm. We had a dispensary opening like three doors down from like right where I was working. So it was just perfect. And I ended up getting cool. a job there. I feel nice. like everybody had their like big canvas boom during that time if they didn't already. Yeah, I had like a little bit more time to be like creative and wonder and yeah, less distracted. Take a step back and actually think, restructure your life a little mm-hmm. bit. That was totally nice. bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people who just had the time to sit and have a little bit of that initial education come on, right? Like that initial exposure education was a key factor in a lot of people coming to the dispensary. Well, it's like, oh, well, my granddaughter sent me this or my grandson or my son or my daughter sent me this. Mm -hmm. They think it would be a good idea for me to start taking pills or capsules or gummies at night. Or I took one while they were over for two weeks and when I haven't seen them in um, Mm -hmm. 10 months or 12 months. They suggested this because I haven't been able to sleep very well. Those are the introduction, man. That was the introduction for the majority of people. A lot of people thought we were packing it in the back, too. Like, they, yeah. some, so many people had been in a dispensary before. They really thought we were the ones like growing it, packaging it, coming up with the name. It was yeah. wild. It's like, hey, man, would you mind so dipping it? <laughs> man, would you dip in, mind dipping in the back and rolling some of that up for me? It's like, man, yeah. I wish it's how it works. It's like, here you go. A couple more grams. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, I really like that one. Can I get five grams? Maybe just like a random number? No, man. Sorry, you want to buy seven or not? 
<laughs> like, yeah, this isn't bulk barn. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, if you could buy it by the gram and like see everything, people would be down yep. for that too. Oh, totally. If we overdid everything for him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you know, if you got the rosin press in the back, right? You can just go turn that on. Imagine if that's how it was. It's like, yeah. no, it's like the ice cream machine. Sorry, I it's wish. not what you today. Yeah, just go buy an ounce <laughs> and press it right there. Fresh pressed rosin, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, forget cold pressing. <laughs> yeah. That that's that's got to be a service at some point, though. I was just gonna say that's something that you could probably run legally right around now. If you run a contract service where you're going and you're just providing time, there's probably a way that's of doing I mean. it with like ACPR growers, the medical growers. Ah, well, if you're you. doing it with ACMPR, you can sell. If you you can legally sell to them as long as you're uh. ACMPR grower but if you're just doing the service for anyone else you're not selling cannabis you're not selling rosin like you said you're selling a service and your time so and your and your machine yeah your labor so I don't really think that there's, there would be anything wrong with that would there yeah if anybody's curious about that one I met with a rep from the AGLC about it and I got a big no I think <laughs> really yeah I wanted to get a press yeah, I wanted to get a press and run a parking lot service, essentially, where if you wanted my time, I'd come to your dispo, set up the press, have a generator, have a booth, have everything so I'm weather insulated. And it was going to be like a summertime, good time, like good weather business. And yeah. I think they would have more comfortable if I'm like, hey, I'd like to eat some babies today. Dude, the way that he looked at wow. me, it was like raw fear. I'm like, so it yeah. would be like, I want, I just basically cited the Ontario model. I'm like, yo, it would be from the dispo. The product would have to be have your seal on it. I would crack it. I would press it. The only thing that I'm getting paid is by the dispo for my time and then basically to recurb services, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, that makes good sense, but I just can't see it ever being approved. And I'm like, well, could you give me a reason, you know? And okay, like, I get it. You don't think it would go anywhere. Can you take it to your next level? So we got to that stage. And then I just switched to the email back and forth for like, three months and man they like in the end i never got a flat reason mm -hmm. and i got like you know okay well i could have this support this support this support this support they didn't give a shit you know in the end it was oh. just like no so i'm oh. like okay well look at ontario call ontario see how it's going for their reps talk to the you know the ocs see if they've had any issues with it which we know they haven't like uh what's that big one cannabis cowboys they've just been killing yeah. it they do that every day they do that every That's the day thing. there's a bunch of them that that have been doing it i don't know if there's a loophole or if they're kind of just doing it but it's definitely yeah. a little more lax yeah. and like i was about to ask like was it because they, you were going to do it in the dispensary or no because i was going to do it in a parking lot yeah i offered parking, parking lot. lot yeah like i basically thought like the windshield repair model essentially yeah. Yeah. like weatherproof booth my service the, like a generator that I can turn on and off. That's it. You know, that would be it. But nah, they were like, that's not cool. I didn't know. <laughs> but like when I it, like we, I just like, do you want to meet in the dispo? You know, there's like, I'm in this queue. Um, we can go to AW for coffee and it'll be quieter. He's like, okay, <laughs> we go there. And man, it was, yeah, it meant, I think you would have been more comfortable if I told him, like, I eat babies. Yeah. <clears throat> that's well, well, that's good to hear. There. <laughs> the one way that i could think you can kind of work around that is if you don't have the dispensaries involved at all and you're just going directly to the purchase just to the, oh, client, yeah. the dispensary client right they're coming you're just you ask the dispensary hey can i set up a booth in this spot 
can I take yeah. one of your parking spots for the day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they just, they come out and if they have the receipt, you give them the 10% discount because they're shopping there. Oh, and you yeah. just advertise it as your own private thing. And then AJLC, they can come and they can kick sand for all they care because all you're mm -hmm. doing is providing a service and renting out your machine. They well, have I, no content. You're not, out, right? Like that's, it's kind of hands off from them because you're not changing. You're not doing anything that they can do at home. Exactly. That's you the thing too. That was my argument. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and is it any different than like when we got set up to grow through a clinic, like they've got their Keith machine in their clinic and we can go use it at any time that we want. Is that, that's no different, is it? I think you're going to get a lot more leniency on, on that medical side of the market yeah. too. You know, I, that's the thing. I, I don't know if it's, I wish it was mm -hmm. like, <laughs> I agree that there shouldn't be like parity, but a one degree closer would be a little nicer, but yeah. Mm -hmm. That whole medical recreational divide is wild to me anyways, because a lot of us are patients and it's a lot easier to access this through recreational outlets than it is for medical outlets anyways. Like I get more help from somebody like Trevor than I would calling on the phone and you know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, absolutely. Like yeah. Like all the veterans that I work with, like I'm privately contracted through VAC. They're all in the medical program getting coverage by VAC and none of them are hardly using right. And so I go in there and I hang out with them for three months and we, the outcomes are amazing. Right. Like it's just solid education, which these, the medical is like failing at miserably, I think. So that's why I created it as an independent practice. I could go work for a clinic, but I was like, your first follow yeah. said 12 weeks like no like you're gonna lose like 50 percent of your clientele by the time it's 12 week mark you need to contact them in the first two weeks right so mm -hmm. i think i think there's that lack of education too with the patients because like i don't know for me anyway maybe it's just me that I, I just don't know who to contact but like who do you really go to on like a regular basis if you want that information for like a certain cultivar for like I, when I got my um my script or prescription or whatever yeah. you want to call it it was basically just the phone call and the initial setup with my nurse practitioner but after that it was kind of me doing my own studies to figure out what's going to work for me I never really had exactly you know what I mean? no and most don't and there's some that do a little bit of a better job but for the most part and these educators on the other side don't actually have like any medical background anyways right there's a a small group of clinics that like pay nurses majorly underpay them but you know that's like a huge that's why I started my practice huge missing piece in this industry is that education and especially somebody that knows yeah. western and eastern medicine that can do like a combination of both right that blew my mind too it's like you know I saw someone's actual like script sheet once and it's like you know Afria granddaddy purple and I'm like wait do you mean Rift Subway Scientist? Yeah, I've got that for you. Like, I thought there was going to be such a huge separation between the two, right? Yeah. And I'm like, that's the same skew. Okay, yeah, here you go. Oh, no, like the both markets overlap like crazy, right? Yeah. Like you can access it at Shoppers Cannabis is very similar to what I can grab at a local dispensary. And I even know like there's a huge talk that like cannabis depositories should only be available in the medical market, purely medical item. You know, they'll never be in the public, but they also need to be in the public for accessibility. If that person's back pain is flared right now, they don't have time to order from shoppers, get it via Canada Post, right? Like I've had like 90 year old spouses racing out to go get cannabis repositories for their partner that can't move, right? So. 
you need accessibility. Having to wait. If, if somebody needs something, they need it now or tomorrow at the latest, not in the week. Yeah, and I've seen it so many times where they've run out, they forgot, and like now I'm rural and it takes like five days to get to the post office and get it. So I'm going to run into town and grab something grab like say a distillate cbd and they're like well my anxiety is through the roof now well yeah because your products are completely different but once they're educated and know then they can get in both places it's just more accessibility well the, the little bit said, more... mendel medical delivers in uh 24 to 48 hours i heard i haven't tried yet but they're uh getting really really fast for a medical system. and that's like yeah, anywhere they're... i've heard yeah there's that. a few that'll like be there within like 24 hours depending on where you live i'm rural so me too i don't have that luck <laughs> <laughs> no me neither well, <laughs> i drive with, 30 minutes to post office <laughs> with products like that i was talking with mike about this at the grow up conference i legitimately think like high grade suppositories high grade rso like the more medicinal prescription-based products should be over the counter at pharmacies. Hundred percent. Like, 100%. They, they, I I don't think they should be off the counter. Anybody can grab them, but anybody should be able to go and ask for them. It should be consult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. If like, you have that understanding, mm -hmm. you can prove me. You have the knowledge. This is your first bout with cannabis. Here you mm -hmm. go. Here's your more natural alternative, bro. Yeah. And and I have I have no issues with the far because pharmacists aren't going to have the knowledge behind it. Having mm -hmm. a first, second, third, fourth visit base leveling, where it's like, unless you have a prescription or you have somebody that can have like Kayla with certification or some sort of education that can prove they've got the knowledge, then go, no, they want to go to about the third step to start with. They've tried these two at the dispensary. We've got the boxes. Like it's a simple way of proving that you've done step one, step two, because they're comparable to what the dispensaries have. But step three and four, you just bring the empty boxes and the pharmacist will go, okay, well, that's because they're not, it's not anything drastic. No. Right? Like, they might be anything in cannabis drastic? No. No. And I'm not, not sure yeah. why Shoppers Drug Mart hasn't implemented that first, considering they have all those signs saying, ask, ask your pharmacist to vote cannabis. And then when you sign up, you still got to order it online. It's good, like Trevor's saying, yeah. if you could actually get it from behind the counter, if you've got your script, it would be a lot easier for a pickup. I think more people would sign up yeah. for that. Oh, and for sure, like when I tell different people about Shoppers Cannabis, they're like, oh, I can just walk in there. I'm like, yeah. no, not too. yet. But like, I imagine as like Dude. rules and regulations change that shoppers will be first in line to do something like that. And having like a cannabis trained pharmacist would be incredibly useful. Um, yeah. Hugely useful. I had a mom reach out to me once because her daughter was taking, you know, different um, mental health medications and still was a cannabis consumer, open conversation in the house. She's 16. She's not going to change, right? She's getting high. Like she's a teenager, but she, she fainted after using cannabis. They thought it was a seizure. You know, everything was all freaked out. And so they went to emerge to get checked out. And their response was the doctor looked at the girl and said, you know, if you keep doing this, your IQ is going to be low, like lower later in life. And I was like, like that's not even proven <laughs> not saying that teenagers should be using but like again this fear-mongering perspective so the mom's like screw it this is awful information went to the pharmacist told that their daughter should likely go to addiction services and get started on narcan which or sorry not um oh, uh, what's it called um let you use instead of um narcotics oh uh, uh it's orange it's syrupy liquid <laughs> I, I know i'll remember it like 
fuck what's it called and people can't get off it either methadone yes they told her that their 16 year old daughter should be on methadone because she consumes cannabis and i was just like like right there that's that's two interactions with a desperate mother wanting good education for her daughter that emerged doctors telling her she's gonna have a lower iq and the pharmacist telling she has an addiction to a narcotic that is the state of our education in the system that's like what a, a what a powerful example and i spent 30 minutes on the phone with the mom going through her daughter's medications looking at the drug interaction with cbd and thc and then educated her that she likely just dropped her blood pressure and passed out so then educate her daughter about that that this is a risk and Those that's how like we, three different conversations yeah that's how weeds a gateway she probably lifted a thousand pounds off her shoulders though yeah and it's just all that mom needed was 30 minutes of a conversation to be able to bring education back to her daughter and try to keep that open household going because we know teens are going to use we can't just sit there and just be like don't do it it's a gateway drug that's what happened when i was in high school look where i am now my home was trying to get that through my parents said because of the way they they were brought up right and that yeah. was me at 16 same well, thing more. just a little bit slightly different mm-hmm. yeah. Where I was going with that is that if they got her, if she'd taken that advice and got her on methadone, it's literally a gateway drug in that sense, far following mm-hmm. a pharmaceutical dose because you're mm-hmm. then hooked because you're going from, and, from cannabis to meth. Yeah. And it's like, and methadone is so incredibly hard to get off of where her daughter could smoke a joint and then not smoke a joint for a week and be fine. If she stopped taking her methadone for a week, she'd be in full-on withdrawals, right? Like it's, I've heard cannabis stories where they've used cannabis to get, try to get off methadone, but are never actually even able to get off methadone, like get down to the smallest dose, but yeah. yeah. Well, even something like uh, like acetamide or meth, acetamide or preflin, whatever, the uh, common anxiety drug, right? Like for something like that, you get like a meth prescription or something like that along those lines. And it's like, well, uh, was that the logical first jump or did we just go to what's the textbook? Oh, yeah. I could talk about that for hours when it comes to safety profile of cannabis and it not being our first line of defense. Yeah. Like for chronic pain, um, pregabulin is usually the first thing prescribed for nerve pain. There is less research to support the use of gabapentin for chronic pain than there is cannabis. Conclusive use. And because gab- like um, gabapentin is an off-label use for nerve pain. But yeah, that's the first thing being, and yeah, these chronic pain sufferers try it, doesn't work, big surprise. <laughs> the try yeah. cannabis works like a charm, right? If they're using it properly. But we have more clinical research to support cannabis for chronic pain. That's good. Well, and if it doesn't I mean, work, it's not like it's gonna screw you up. You might just forget about the pain for a little bit and then have to try mm-hmm. something else. Well, and there's mm-hmm. more controlled tiers no with cannabis. You can start with the topical, yeah. you can start with the bath bomb, you can start with a lotion. Like there's so many entry-level products before you even get into the smoking level of consumption like that's the last Mm -hmm. draw for if you need to that pure thc rso the smoking and dabs and distillate right like but that for medicinal people you're looking at one percent of the clients that are legitimately needing that high grade majority of us can do with the mid-tier mid to low entry level with the balance a little bit of that higher thc at points a little bit more of the one-to-one at other points and just pure cbd for the rest of the time like 
we don't and if you're heading up towards that like dab high concentrated high thc properties it's almost like a signal to your body that you actually need a tolerance break you need those receptors and endocannabinoid system to pop back out again and they need they need a rest from thc and so that's sort of a sign to the human body that okay i need to i need to switch things up my receptors need something new or they just need a little bit of a break even 36 hours well, and, it, and it's funny, even just changing the way you consume. Yeah. A lot, yep. just, like, cause you, it, you in some way end up enjoying it and affecting different aspects of your body, right? Like metabolize it differently. Exactly. You're taking mm -hmm. longer time with a joint to consume than with a bong where it's just one rapid hit. Yeah. yeah. Having some fluctuation in that allows your body to be a little bit more at shock, not necessarily at shock. That's not the right way to describe it, but it's a little bit more. But those receptors have something new, right? Exactly. They're like, oh, oh, this is new. Yeah, <laughs> and it's they new get and excited. excited again and they get activated again, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it interesting too with the recent, well, not, not recent anymore, but the uh, insertion of like CBG and CBN into gummies. All of a sudden, we're getting customers that are going like, oh, wow. I want the wild, like the, the pair of CBG ones or whatever. Those gummies actually work for me. And it's like, bro, you're, you're so burnt out on THC mm -hmm. that you're, you're now body is not used to CBG that you're reacting to it again. And it's not that this gummy is like amazing. It's not a higher concentration. It's not stronger. It's just a mm -hmm. compound that you're personally not burnt out on, but they're just like, no, 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 that's the one for me. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just been all THC for everybody for a while with all the disciplined gummies and everything. So even just adding a couple extra compounds and add, yeah. putting that entourage effect back in, you're yes. right. No one's used to that yeah. anymore. Well, I get and Trevor, more you... flowers than I do off a lot of these uh, extracts or base. Yeah, I, I love that point because that's what science supports, right? The entourage effect whole plant medicine having that THC because I think I was listening to one of your podcasts while I was driving today Trevor um, with Magic Mercer there and you're talking about like how CBD you feel more of the THC and an edible when you have CBD with it well CBD is boosting your circulating level of THC that's available to the body hence well, why all of a sudden it's like more accessible to the human body well I always describe it describe them as sister compounds totally the more you have the stronger the family the better the experience. Right? <laughs> I like that. That's a good THC, analogy. Yeah. THC and CBD are are like they're twins, essentially. Mm -hmm. One does what the other one doesn't. Mm -hmm. You use them together, you're going to have a way more balanced experience. You're not going to have a spike of a THC high. It's going to be a little bit more gradual. Yeah, the high mm -hmm. may not hit the same peak, but it's going to last longer. It's going to be a lot more of a cleaner feeling experience. And then when it and comes yeah, down, you're yeah. not going to crash. You're going to balance it out and mm -hmm. have a little dip of that burnout because that's a part of cannabis. But it's a five or 10 minutes of, oh, I just don't feel great. Well, have a cup of coffee, have something to eat. The little bit of sugars or carbs and you're back at it. You're back to baseline. It's just a little bit more gradual. It's not edges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm still what do you fighting. guys know about HHG? Have you guys heard about this yet? HHG? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, I don't know too, too much about it yet, but 
what I do know is it's the cannabinoid that they're studying that apparently gets high as well, not just THC. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's as far as I know. And I know in the States, they've already started pumping it in the vape carts. It's not illegal yet. Um, but there's that. And there was THC acetate or THC something acetate. It's not just, mm-hmm. um, no, it's not just the THCA. I mean, I'm getting this wrong for sure, but like, there's Delta another eight? one. Of this. What's that? No, Delta not Delta eight. Eight. Yeah, no? I'll okay. get back to you. I'm going to look up, I'm going to look this one up right now because gonna bother me and i should have brought my textbook <laughs> part of me i should have brought my textbook i usually have it with me <laughs> I, was just I, gonna, I, had I was just gonna say i was even thinking i'm like i'm gonna definitely have to build up i'm not a scientist banner for this podcast because i go off on little tangents and we mike's got us right here at that first one of i'm not a scientist i'll throw that up there but we're talking about some side <laughs> shit oh <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm looking for it. I'll get back to you in a moment. Yeah. Well, it's even like the THCV, how much, how many people do you actually see in the dispensaries talking about that? That was like terpenes at day <laughs> yeah. one of dispensaries opening. Yeah. That, good that is, that's the knowledge of that, the, that there's more than just one level of THC. Mm-hmm. I think there's what, four different varieties of actual THC. Yeah. <laughs> total oh, i'm going to get my textbook yeah <laughs> like i like that's that's exactly the why i wanted kayla on here because she's got a she's got that point of reference that we're all like it's three or four yeah we'll fight, figure it out after we're done and then after we're done we realize it's well we're watching this podcast we're doing that research and throwing it up in the comments right <laughs> yeah it's like yeah it's, real info is always in the comments oh <laughs> And then at the store level, we're still fighting the like anti-info of, well, if you get too high on THC, you can come down with CBD. It's like, are you kidding me? We're at year four. Like, I get cited Vice Munchie series where they're like, oh, you know, we're doing these edible dinners and they'll have one course that's got like 30 milligrams THC. And then the next course to bring you back down has 20 milligrams of CBD. It's like, are you serious? We're still fighting that like anti-cannabis info, and it's like every day. <laughs> well, okay, and- we got three forms of THC. Okay, three. three. As far as I know, I'm very crazy. My favorite book I've ever read. <laughs> I can't say much. I'm reading through this right now, so. Oh, love it. Nice. Textbook reading, you can always tell who comes from the medical field. They can just open up a textbook and read it. In it's not necessarily pleasure or self hatred. <laughs> I don't know. This is the best nursing I've ex- ever done. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny because you can tell nurses, EMTs who wanted to be medics but didn't quite get there. We all yeah, have that yeah. itch to learn. So we'll just grab a textbook and start reading, right? Oh my God, you should see some of my binders. It's just like got research study after research study. I'm freaking reading this my entire maternity leave, making sure my brain's still working. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, Yeah. right after my accident, it was still like running scenarios, doing things to try and keep things sharp. And then there comes a point where you just realize it's like, oh, this isn't happening. So then you just start (laughs) letting stuff slip. (laughs) 
But yeah, you could just like go right back to it, right? Like oh. you could throw me probably into a merge right now and I'd be fine. Not that I want to be there, but <laughs> yeah, like there's been a handful of times where I've walked through and something's happened and I'm like, okay. While I'm walking up, I'm doing my primary three times in my head real yeah. quick. And all of a sudden I hit there and it's just like I missed two or three of the questions on my primary, but I get the EMTs show up. I'm like, okay, here's the info. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> There's a full patch for what you need. <laughs> THCO is what it's called. THCO. Well, it's not even in my text. Oh, acetate. So there you go. There. Government experiments. They tried to use it as a as a weapon, a bio weapon or whatever. Oh, they were interesting. They were trying to weaponize THC, so they created distillate, and they took the distillate and added some chemicals to it. I can't remember exactly what chemicals they were, and then they created something that basically was thirty times stronger than just THC, and it was getting people high for like three days. So definitely something to look into. And now people are <laughs> trying to stick it in in the state, but they're not really putting the real one. They're doing like Delta H acetate, but yeah, THCO and HHC. HHC. Uh, You're advanced. You're beyond my textbook, even, and this is a new one. <laughs> Mike's got street knowledge. Yeah, citizen science. Oh, yeah. And I'm at that point where I was like, I thought I read an article that said there's four, a potential of four THC. So that it's interesting that he comes back with THCO. So I'm reading mm -hmm. the kind of six weeks behind where Mike is reading his info. <laughs> <laughs> you look it up on Wikipedia, it's like it's missed with X. I'm checking out this HHC right now. So I'll let you guys know what that is in a sec. Oh, they process it from hemp plants. So it's the psychoactive cannabinoid that they process from hemp. So I guess it's another Delta, like a Delta A, but it's different. That's interesting. Another loophole. Yeah. Well, the, things that, uh, the things that happens in prohibition. Oh, exactly. Wow. Gotta love the states where there's just yeah. enough legality for them to fuck around. It's funny when they bring a Delta H to like this, like the, the carts and shit. We have the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why did we start with like Delta 9 and then now we're suddenly seeing Delta 8 and it flux into our market? Like customers are so confused. They're going like, "Do you guys have the Delta Eight yet?" I heard that might be different. Maybe it'll. I work must be your popularity. Yeah, it's like, bro, it's gonna be like THC light. Do you like CBD? Do you feel <laughs> that? Like, there you go. Yeah, that's what it's gonna be like for you. It's but higher I, concentrations. And I know, like, people are trying to do new stuff, but I think it gets incredibly like confusing for the consumer, right? Like, yeah. it's already it's overwhelming just lot. with THC and CBD and ratios and way to consume, and then now they're like trying to get this leg up in the industry and do something new but it's, it's like, like nobody knows what it is yeah, yeah. well like oh, provide that's... a better version of like the, the 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 ones that we know really work well like uh who was it i think uh sundial they had charlotte's web way back in the day like a two to one simply bear to two yeah 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 exactly it's like okay uh why don't we just improve that get it closer to the actual yeah. strain let's see a charlotte's web rosin like i know we're seeing like mm. distinct we're starting to see like the rgb sarah secret stuff like that but we need to you know, I, I could still see a meat like why don't we have a cbd rosin card you know there'd be a market for that too well i i had a cbd isolate at our, at our shop and it was the hardest thing to sell and i swear it was the yeah. best product that we had in the store for for patients that were looking for that that like raw cbd because just in just the 
okay, I've had pure CBD, like distillates and all that, but like nothing compares to that dab of the isolate, like just a tiny little crumb. And you can actually feel the difference. And just people, people weren't really sold on that. They didn't like the idea of like dabbing a powder, like putting it mm-hmm. under their tongue or whatever. They'd rather yeah. just get the oil. Yeah, like, I couldn't believe it. Product. When it was new to the market, I'm like, okay, let, let, let's get it immediately, right? And I'm pushing it on everybody that walks through the store that'll, mark, that'll mention CBD. But, you know, I mentioned it's an isolate, it's a powder, it's odorless, tasteless, blah, 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 blah. You can eat it, dab it, or whatever. They're just like, I've already, it's like they've in that simple explanation of what it is, you've already lost them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, there's a concentrate market for this, but for in Alberta, where, where I am anyways, it's the highest THC or nothing. It doesn't matter. I have a yeah. hard time moving rosin because there's such a disconnect between the actual you know what it is versus the numbers on the packaging it's like okay if you don't understand that rosin is better than your isolate i can't help you and i can try to explain it to you all day but eventually i'm going to pass out you know and i know when i'm educating i like really as long as people can either tolerate thc or are not drug tested for thc will always like talk about full spectrum like you want you want taste you want color you know this is whole plant medicine we don't really want like thinking about it being a natural like ancient medicine keeping it as close to nature as possible is going to mean the least refined the least messed with and work the best in the body as per like the entourage effect so yeah i teach people to look out for those things not looking for you know your like dose can cbd oil that yeah it's inexpensive yeah it doesn't taste like anything but if you want really good medicinal effect that's not that's not where you want to be looking and then we'll switch products and we'll be like oh this is what i was hoping for my anxiety is like way less and it's like that's the entourage effect right then and there yeah nothing mm-hmm. works well by itself no yeah. even thc is boring by itself it doesn't have any of the same effects that you're look, really looking for out of your experience in my opinion mm-hmm. anyway they all need to connect. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just, I don't understand, especially after the two heavy waves of COVID during the winters that we had, where the first wave you saw a huge demand of THC. Everyone was looking for the highest numbers. Then they got out of it and they realized they can't function and work with that number <laughs> so high. So they wanted a lower amount. But they wouldn't touch the one to ones. They wouldn't touch the oh. CBD, and it's like. And you know what? Like you literally have okay. your gem, <laughs> your hidden gem yeah. right here. You need to show demand, and you will get the flavors you want. But we need to show that we yeah. can sell the six key skews that Alberta will allow us That's to the have. Problem. You we bring in that we bring in that one skew that like we know there's a market for like a twelve percent, but if we bring it in, it sits there, and then no one lets us buy it anymore and, then and we don't i have, have like a, the customers. It's, it's totally and i like great example my husband's been a rec user forever high tolerance you know and i was like finally he listened to me and i was like try a one-to-one like he's he's a plumber by trade but like plays he's a musician as well and i said try a one-to-one before you play as soon as he tried it completely sold he will not play a show without a one-to-one when before it would be just something high thc but he's like no this is the perfect like balance and i was like there you go like this is what i've been telling you about yeah exactly and that's how you describe cbd and but it takes forever to convince the like high thc users that cbd isn't just going to rob them of their high and 
even like working with some of the veterans that are really used to these high THC products. And they're like, all this weed on the medical market's garbage. Like none of it works anymore. And I'm like, okay, let's explore something different. Let's get some oils on board. Let's do this. And then all of a sudden they're enjoying their flower better when it goes further and they're hurting their lungs less. Well, and it's the, the biggest shocker that people seem to have is that there seems to be two levels of cannabis experience there's medicated and there's high Mm -hmm. medicated throughout the day allows you to still get high at night if you want to Mm. and there's and both both are medicated at one one sense or another because one's giving you a little bit more of a disassociation than other but to allow that baseline to be enjoyable the one-to-ones the two-to-ones those type of strains are key because they allow for a little bit more of a clear function. Yeah, if you need mm-hmm. that pain relief, you can have a little bit of that dissociation still involved, but it's not that heavy spike. It's not that cloudiness. It's just that relief. It's something that I've observed too, because like I've got two young kids, you know, if we're going to go out to a party or something, like I'll maybe just even smoke just a CBD joint or a one-to-one joint. And we're in a really cannabis-friendly community and all of these like big longtime users will come out to be like, what are you smoking? That smells so good. And I'll be like, I'm smoking CBD. And they're like, what? I'm like, try some. And they're like, this smells like the old weed I used to smoke way back when. Like, <laughs> Well, that's the benefit of high strains. They don't have the heavy crosses into them. So if you want the original taste, the original flavor, yeah. CBD strains are going to be where they're at for the next five years until we start seeing those land races, those true OG mm-hmm. genetics pop up on yeah, the yeah, market. Now that you've uh, brought that up, they do have a lot of um, like their land race gene pools. There's a lot of naturally occurring CBD in the Afghani pools. Like oh it's really? Not, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very typical in that in that area. So mm-hmm. you'll have like a lot of one to ones or like low THC, higher CBD. Uh, yeah, there's a whole variation of stuff over there, and a lot of people, at least in the area that I live in, everybody thought that all the CBD cultivars were just sativas. But I think that's just what people were breeding for, for the market. But like in nature, it's mainly, um, it's rarely ever in hazes. I don't think it's in hazes at all. Like in the equatorial plants, only the Afghanis. And we don't have any of those on the market, which is weird. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any, except for like the Dergamata. You know, yeah. Dergamata is the only one. Well, and even like you look at the Thai-based land races, they're, they've got two-to-one ratios and they've got like THCV in theirs with the red Congolese and stuff being a close enough region to have an effect on it. And then there's the two-to-one with CBG ratio in the Thai-based plants because a lot of them, that's where they're sourcing their CBG from. So like they're, we could be looking at totally different one-to-one, two-to-one ratios with all of the cannabinoids. Right. Like it'd be great to see a two to one ratio for CBG because that would be a wrecker for half the market where the CBN is the the killer. Right. We got to dig into Africa. They got some really, really good stuff there, especially for like naturally occurring CHPG. That's in a lot of their uh, land race pools. And that's a lot of it's unexplored because nobody could go there. And, you know, (laughs) there's just a lot of like a lot of disputed territories have have a lot of unexplored things that would be really great for the medical market hopefully hopefully one day the world is not so crazy 
yeah well that was the thing too like there's this spice talk on uh like og land races of like these yeah. guys that were the dutch seed uh dutch seed bank or something like that like a really big mm. corporation yeah yeah, 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 yeah okay i'm like I, that sounds like the name that sounds too obvious that couldn't be it <laughs> uh greenhouse greenhouse seed yeah 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 because they're, they're going through and they're, they're looking like these things on a hillside they gotta pay off like local uh like militias and stuff like that so they can move through territory like i get it that's hard work that's intimidating that's scary but if we're gonna get closer to what people are demanding it needs to happen yeah and sooner than later because everything's just slowly getting destroyed bit by bit especially in places where it's not legal they're still burning this stuff up there's so many things mm -hmm. that are, are disappearing over the years because it's, it's not legal there yeah unfortunately yeah. And we're starting to see like more in the store, like uh, what's that one? Uh, Tommy's Pink Mandarin, where they're getting like a higher amount of CBG, CBGA, and stuff like that. Uh, that's that Tommy's craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing nice. good. <laughs> yeah, they've been doing really good. I've tried their their a That's it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, like that stuff is moving. It, it tastes exactly like pink grapefruit. Like it, the nose mm. on it is unreal. Uh, but it's one of the only strains that uh, we carry other than Joy that actually lists CBG right on the can. And now we're starting to see that almost like, I would say we had their first wave of people that knew to look for high THC. Then we got the second wave of people that knew to look for high amount of terpenes. Now we're mm -hmm. seeing a higher amount of people that are starting to look for the secondary cannabinoids like THC, CBN, CBG, and CBN. It's like, okay. Like we're starting to get people slowly moving along but yeah. I think we'd it'd happen even faster if we had like Ogen. We had the bigger LPs that everybody asked for. Throwing that info right there. So you got to see it. Like, oh, this is why I enjoy smoking that. It's yes. not the THC number, you know? And wow. I love that it's right there on the package. Don't make them search for it. Make it accessible so people yeah. are starting to be conscious consumers. And to me, that's a better brand when they list terpenes, minor cannabinoids. You know, it's they're transparent, right? It's right there. And I love that because I, I tell people, like, if you love something, see what's in it, see what terpenes are in it, see what your cannabinoid contents are and write that down so that you can continue using something that you really like. Yeah. I, it's almost like as uh, powerful as a tool as when I get something that someone comes back and says, like, I didn't really like this and I really like this. Okay. Strain journal, write down why you didn't mm -hmm. like this, write down why you did like this. Yep. Don't just stop there though. Look at the compounds, find out why. I this is the best part about cannabis when it comes to medicine is the onus on the individual. We live in a Western system that is like, oh, I got a cough, doctor, gone, right? You don't like sit down for a minute and say, okay, what are the factors contributing to this? And that's what's different about cannabis is making people check in with their bodies, know their personal pharmacy, and then dosing from there. It's personal onus to really succeed at cannabis as medicine or not even medicine as a wellness tool is the individual onus to be okay with experimenting because nothing is the same and no pharmaceutical is the same for anybody either but that's just how it's marketed right like okay you don't sleep here's your sleeping pill that's it right but that's cannabis doesn't like the yeah whole indica selling points of things it yeah. doesn't work like that for everybody because for me i wake up and I, I smoke my cushions in the morning if i smoke a uh, haze when i wake up it's gonna flat line me i'm not doing anything for the day really distracted i have to smoke that afterwards so yeah. like, i wouldn't be able to get my day started like that so if i didn't know i would get terrible advice it was just like uh here's the daytime smoke here's your nighttime smoke it's really just yeah. about like trying things and being open to 
and being comfortable like with experimentation and knowing that cannabis is widely safe unless you have a synthetic form there has never been an overdose death there is no endocannabinoid system receptors or very little in the brainstem so knowing that and like empowering people in that knowledge to be like you know what maybe you might experience some anxiety or you might experience this but that's the extent of it that's it it's gonna pass you know like it's yeah, giving them that freedom to start to put onus on their own dosing, on their own medicine. And it's sometimes that's really hard for people to wrap their head around. They want for me, like, what dose do I take? What dose do I take? Well, okay, here's your starting point. But my body's different than your body. I have a twin sister and her tolerance is different than mine. What I like is different than hers, right? So, and then looping in that it's not, it's not just like, I can't sleep. So I need, you know, high THC product. It's like, why are you also not sleeping? Because you can pour as much cannabis into your body, but if you're binge drinking at the same time, you're at point zero, right? Like it's, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> you're getting excited over there, JD. <laughs> but it's just, it's this like, it's a holistic medicine, right? It's not just one size fits all. And people are super uncomfortable with that. Cause they're like, I just want a solution like this. And it's like, this doesn't yeah. work that way this is a process and you have to be committed to the process to get it to work for you. And once it does, it's, it's beautiful, but that's why I advocate to follow my vets for, you know, 12 weeks and we check in frequently. And it's this like check-in with how are you doing like inside and outside, <laughs> you know, it's not just, well, are you sleeping? Okay. That's great. You know, like it, it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's with that, uh, the wave came coming in of like turf knowledge and stuff like that, that a lot of people started to, I mean, they, I, I'm sure you would hear this all the time with like uh, self-diagnoses, but people going mm-hmm. like, I can't smoke that. It gives me mad anxiety. Um, I don't know if this is like, I know this is not just personal. It's been some other people as well. But if you take a look at the underlying causes of your anxiety, if you try to treat those first outside of the cannabis world, um, there might be an entire universe of cannabis you're missing out on. I'm like, I know totally. myself personally, I, I, when I started in the industry, I'm like, you know, I don't feel great when I smoke sativa. I'm just going to stay away from mm-hmm. getting into the industry. Uh, some of the people that educated me on you know, the other side, like my the shop owners and stuff. Well, uh, this sativa is like 14%. Try that. Like I, it started with like little toe dips and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling terrible. Well, it was everything else that you know that I've resolved in my own personal life that opened up that door. So mm-hmm. some people will come in and I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's like, all right, well, you totally can. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. But it's what you're willing to expose yourself to. Yeah. Or yeah, what are, what are you willing to explore? Even talking to new cannabis users and redefining this idea of euphoria. Euphoria doesn't have to be such a negative thing. It can be a beautiful practice when used properly. And so taking away that fear of letting go. So where does it come from that that you have this big fear of letting go? Or is this really actually what you need is to trust cannabis? And I always say cannabis will win you over and I'm just going to take you through the process. I'm going to support you through it. We're going to take baby steps. But guaranteed by the end, it's going to be the plant that wins you over, not me, because you're going to see the results if you commit to this process. And it's beautiful to watch people. And that was me when I started. I was terrified when I got my medical license. My like heart was beating. I was sweating. Like I, the dare bear was on my shoulder, and I'm like a nurse that's going to go use cannabis. Like I was terrified. But look where I'm here now, <laughs> seven years, seven eight years later. Yeah, not everybody's willing to do the work. Yeah. so kind of building off of that i'm starting to see total cannabinoid 
on packaging. Now, are we going to see that as the next big wave or the micro? I want to see more harvesting. Yeah. Or Mike's put up a good one, harvest date. Mm-hmm. Not your pack date, right? <laughs> some of these guys are holding that shit for two years before they go and package done September 1st, 2022. It's still brown, still old. Uh, they're tricking us. I want to know when it's coming down. That would be most important to me. Because I, I can message them for the POA. Yeah. And because that's you, this is people like a lot of people in whatever way, even if you reduce or medicinal use, some way it's nourishing the human body, right? Like it's nourishing that endocannabinoid system. So it's super important that we know the people behind are growing, right? Like if it's, if cannabis plants are cleaning up Chernobyl, like I want to know where my <laughs> cannabis is being grown or I want to consume what I grew in my garden, right? I want to know if it's irradiated too. Yeah, a hundred percent, right? And super important. I don't want to be buying that. I don't want to, I don't want powdery mildew that's in fat. No thanks. No. <laughs> yeah. And so seeing that transparency in the industry, and I think even hearing people's like growers, their why behind their product, I think is so incredibly powerful and something that's really yeah. kind of missing when you go in and shop, it's just like, I don't know what's on sale is usually what I hear from my people. I just want to know what's on sale. But it's like starting to be that idea of like the person that's growing your medicine, what's their why behind it? Because that comes out in their quality. And then all of a sudden you're consuming less because the product works better, right? So I think that's a super important part that's really not like showcased in this industry. When I'm recommending product, I'll, you know, you can choose whatever product you want. These are the ones that I know about that, you know, have done what science tells us, like that's full spectrum or, you know, has transparency. And, you know, here's a story about why these cannabis suppositories came to the market. That's huge, right? Knowing the why, or at least to me it is. Yeah, I feel like the reps should be a little more educated on stuff like that too, because they're like the they're the in between between the yeah. the, the LP and the blood center, other than Reddit. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. they're yeah. that person that's supposed to give us the all that information, and they're mm-hmm. usually just coming in and giving us the stuff that we've already looked up on our own, unfortunately. But yeah, that's maybe not how you know. stand apart in the well, industry, right? Well, not even withstanding the straight up disinfo. I had somebody tell me that ice hash was be called ice hash because ice was a term that stuck in the nicotine vaping name uh, name world. And they're like, I'm like, are you familiar with ice hash, the actual product? Like that, that blew my mind. Like there's some reps that are getting employed that have like just flat zero, you know, whether they're marketable personality, I'm not sure what the discerning factor really is, but when mm-hmm. they come in and you just got to go like, Oh no, like I just want to be able to learn about products, but I don't have to kind of vet who I listen to as well. Yeah. Other thing, like they're not, not mm-hmm. all reps are equal. There's some that I will like have personal relationships outside of work now because mm-hmm. I know they're passionate, they yeah. care, they want to learn. And now then you, you, you see the other side as well. Maybe, <laughs> but that's like kind of where you see in the whole industry is the two sides of it. Somebody who's very passionate about it, maybe has a personal story that brought them into the industry, probably like all of us do have. And then there's the other part where they're just like, I just like weed. It's a cool place to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. but, but that drives me nuts because often a bud tender is your like first access point. And that might be, and it's no different than when we learn an emergency or I'm sitting at that triage desk as an emerge nurse. I am their first point of access. I set the tone for their experience. So if you have a bud tender there that is meeting every single stigma and bias about cannabis, 
you might have lost somebody right there in one single quick interaction that could have greatly benefited from cannabis for the rest of their life. But one experience, oh, <laughs> get it out here. Um, but one experience, right, can completely shift that. And that person that's going into that dispensary that's never been in one before, I'm going to guess is super nervous, is super uncomfortable. And so when they're met with like somebody that's educated, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're met right? with a tablet. That's it. Yeah. And, but that's not enough because they're, they're nervous, right? They're scared. And so who holds them in that situation? not your stigma <laughs> your person that defines your stigma right so well and it's it's one thing if you can go in and if you're uneducated being honest with them going mm-hmm. i'm not the person to talk to today the person mm-hmm. to talk to is going to be in at six o'clock tomorrow i i know what you need but i can't help you get the product it's just it's not in my wheelhouse the person you mm-hmm. need to talk to is this that builds a way big like turning somebody away that day to get them to come back to talk to the person that knows what they're talking about is a key thing in producing a customer that'll return even if they're just walking in for education even if they're just going hey i read about this what's because at some point they're gonna go oh well you know what i'm here i'll try a bath bomb or i'll try a lotion or i'll try a capsule yeah, but that's like you're one step into being exposed to cannabis. And it just like it hurts me, <laughs> not hurts me, but it frustrates me when I hear from other people like, oh, I went in looking for a full, full spectrum oil and they come out with a dose can or something like an isolate or distillate oil right then and there. If they're going to start trying that because guaranteed they're probably at their wit's end. If they've never been exposed to cannabis before, they're probably coming in a place of massive vulnerability and massive need. So somebody's say a mother, a young mother's anxiety is through the roof. And she's like, okay, I've heard CBD can work. Maybe I seen on Kayla's Instagram that a full spectrum would be best. Go in, grab your distillate, try it. Doesn't work. That's it. That might, that might completely close their door for many, many years on cannabis use. So bud tender's job is like so much more valuable than I think it's perceived to be. And the worst thing about that is it's probably the most, they are the most underpaid. And a lot of the people that do have the education are pushed to go further in the industry because they don't want to stay there, unfortunately. And like, I don't know, it's that one stop between the, the, the customer and, and the product. And to get that actual education, for 15 bucks an hour, 15 to 18 bucks an hour, a lot of these people that are working there really don't have that, either the, the money to go get the education or the drive. Totally. You're making yeah. the same as McDonald's. And yeah, the, the absolutely. amount of products that we get every week, different things, new things on the market, the only people that are keeping up are the ones that really, really, really care about this. There's only like a 15% of, of the like blood tending population, I feel, that's actually like that. Like most people are there for the job. And like the people that really think they like it aren't really going to go out of their way to do that much research because why? They're going to have Oh, absolutely. Tablets. Well, and like, look at like when you get your QCW here, like I laughed while I took that education. Like that is our standard. I was like, I could dispute half this stuff on here just because I wanted to go see a girl and I did my QCW. I was like, if this is our starting point of education in this industry, this is embarrassing. Like this is, it's not even recent. Like it's, it's pathetic. I, yeah, not impressed. <laughs> I, Again, this is a conversation I had with Mike while I was out in Ontario. I realistically realistically think that we should have 
an education and ranking system for bud tenders, similar to what the medical, like EMS. Yeah. You got your entry, rookie, whatever we want to label it, your intermediate. Mm -hmm. And then if we want to have a master bud tender, because we've got master growers, if we want to have a, a, the master carrying across, that's somebody like me, Mike, Jordan, who we've spent three, you, you got to have minimum years in the actual industry as a bud tender. That's, yeah, maybe. A key, that's a key factor is you've got to have a six month window for that first one. But within that six months, you're receiving all the training to move that second. So it's not, you got to put your six month in and then you get it because mm-hmm. people in the city like Jordan have a totally different amount of customers coming through his shop than I did in Slave Lake. Mike would have a totally different number than the both of us. Within two months, he could probably have all of the contact points that he needs. But by mm-hmm. giving him that six-month window with that education, how much better are you going to be after six months than me after six months? Because you've been pounding that same knowledge in over and over and over. Yeah, you're practicing, over and right? Over and, over. Yeah. and you're practicing and then, how to deliver it, right? Exactly. That makes sense to your consumer. Yeah. Then, or what about this? Like having a nurse on staff at every dispensary. If AGLC is so worried yeah. about public freaking safety, then bring a nurse in there. Provide that public safety. Provide that health promotion. Yeah. That and proper we can't education. Talk about medical stuff, for you. you could. Well, that first, you know we can't discuss medical yeah. things, but we could send them over to uh, to Kayla. Well, and like then take the opportunity of say an elderly person comes through the door and they're like, "My granddaughter said I should try CBD. It's going to make me feel better." When little does that granny know that CBD has more drug interactions than THC, that she's at more risk consuming CBD than she is consuming THC. None of that's talked about, right? And so if we're so concerned with all these rules and regulations about public safety, then allow us to put public education out there that's accurate and based in science. Or worst case scenario, we set up something like this. They do doctor, they do specialist appointments like this. Mm-hmm. literally like if mm-hmm. our medical system's good enough for this why aren't our dispensaries good enough to have a zoom call with a nurse because at that point then kayla can provide service for northern alberta because we don't mm-hmm. need somebody like that in shop 24 7 but when i've got we, that customer where i'm giving them my baseline like like- then it's okay we've got a we got a a 130 appointment we're gonna sit down me and you are gonna yep. sit with kayla so that i'm the menu reference yeah. So any of any of the product, I can mm-hmm. be the person that knows what's going on. Then I'm also getting the education directly from her. Then there's going to be a point where I need to step out of the room, but that's because it's a little bit of a medical consultation. They may want the privacy. Somebody mm-hmm. may not give it down. Sometimes you get but that like, benefit. Sometimes you don't. But step. Would that be beautiful? Yeah. Would that be beautiful minutes? too? Because yeah. I know that would be beautiful, right? And then it's that whole person care, right? You have your dispensary or whoever's selling you your medicine, as well as your consult of like what type of cannabinoid, terpene, route of administration, what are your risk factors, all of that examined to help you make an educated choice. But again, like we even fail that in the Western medicine system. Exactly. And it's, it's such basic stuff. It's just having everybody on the same page. It's so basic, but it's just something we just always skip over. And eventually I got really sick of the system being like, I actually do not meet my scope of practice as a nurse in this system. And as I'm setting up my independent practice, oh, look at this. I actually meet my scope of practice. <laughs> like, and I'm talking about cannabis, right? So 
But yeah, I love this idea of having these consultations available to the public so that they're educated. Well, and the thing is, is if you've got a dispensary that's hitting you up three or four times because of CBN and you're just seeing a populace increase, okay, well, let's figure out a time. We're going to get all the bud tenders together and you're going to do a Zoom call or you're going to come into the shop and you're going to do an education on CBN so that all of a sudden the baseline knowledge for those bud tenders are not at the ground level. They're all at the same level that you can then not have to be on the same call every single day because the bud tenders can Mm -hmm. provide that level of knowledge that the populace Mm -hmm. in that area is looking for. And then the next town, CBG, the next town's one-to-one, the next town's topicals. Then all of a sudden you're catering to what the bud tenders and the location needs. That's how this Mm -hmm. cannabis industry is going to grow and the education in this industry is going to grow. The specialists need to float around and provide little bits of information that are wanted in those areas, especially yeah, in Alberta. Yeah, I had a store call me up today and was just like, hey, I have your card. Like, will you come hold an education session here? And I'm like, absolutely. That's because I'm not regulated by AGLC, and, but I'm regulated by a scope of practice. So I'm a trusted professional that's going to provide you with the information that that's out there. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm not going to elaborate you know make anything look better or you know push a brand or whatever it's just basic information so the consumer can make a conscious decision or an educated empowered decision i feel like even when sometimes at the store level i try to have like a little bit of the knowledge um the simple fact that i'm just not you like (laughs) i don't have your background you know what i mean i can have the info but you know um to a certain degree I, I will never have the info that you have. Um, so it's, you can try to point them in the right direction, but they're just like, mm-hmm. I need to know, you know, sometimes literally you see this interaction of like, these are my prescriptions. Can I take CBD? It's like, <laughs> I don't know, bro. I don't know. Like when I was I brand new in the industry, I make Walmart money. You don't want me answering that question. Like I'm not a medical pro. Like, I'm sorry. I'd love oh, yeah. to tell you that. But like, you know, like- Blood you're know, not a doctor. Yeah, bro. Like that, that should be, I want that shirt. You know, <laughs> I wanted that on a map. <laughs> yeah. I was told I wasn't allowed to get it, but I wanted it so bad. Tell him to come and take it off. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need more cannabis lounges, cannabis tourism, considering we're federally legal and people should be coming here for that kind of stuff. It would draw in a lot more tourist spots if we had like I don't know, it's cool, just cool things, fun cannabis stuff. Well, I'm coming out with like, yeah, well, I'm I'm like an education based. Well, like Mary Jane Manor down in out by Calgary, right? Trevor was proposing like some education for bud tenders or um, I'm working on like women's like cannabis Tupperware parties in their homes. Let's learn about cannabis together if you're first time user. Maybe you're going to consume there where you actually feel really safe. Or I have dreams of bringing a busload of seniors down to Mary Jane Manor so they can try cannabis for the first time, registered nurses on staff, and provide that safe place to start to explore this and get more comfortable with it, right? Like you can sit around and have wine tasting parties like it's nobody even thinks twice about it dangerous bad for your endocannabinoid system contributing to like wear and tear on society and the healthcare system like and yet all we talk about is cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome and emerge when there's like 10 beds filled with alcoholics and yet we don't even talk about that you know like yep yeah a lot of these people do that they have like that we all i'm sure we all go to them like and uh 
to grow up X and all that stuff. A lot of them are catered to like LPs for the most part. And like, um, the, I feel like if they had more stuff for like blood tenders and like panels geared towards education for them, it would be a little bit better because they, it's not just industry day. They, well, yeah, they have industry day, they have their little resale days, and they got consumer days. But like the days where they mm-hmm. have all blood tenders and like retail owners and stuff to have panels geared towards that, I think would be super smart because a lot of them are just like for the LP owner and like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just I get hyped anyways, just because I love anything like cannabis. But like, yeah. it's not they're they're not geared for us. Mm. Yeah, there's there's in-house knowledge that it applies specifically to the products that they're pushing that particular like two weeks or whatever, mm-hmm. and then there's the general cannabis knowledge that fills in the rest of that piece that I feel like a majority of us, even at the, like the uh, the experience level, are still missing. You know, we'll we'll try to fill you in with works with works for us, but we don't have that generalized info of this is the whole piece of how it works. You know, and that was like half the or a huge part of my passion behind starting my independent practice and like fully stepping into this is that that's what I seen even within the medical cannabis world that was missing was that education piece was still missing even though you know you provided a 10 minute education but when I spend time with my veterans I assess them for three hours the first time and then I come back and I spend an hour and a half with them personalizing their cannabis like it's a big <laughs> chunk of time but it's like you need that much time to deliver that much information right and know that much about an individual and and just and also being able to work for them too exactly and support them through that process and you know also just being able to hold a space because maybe somebody coming to the cannabis for the first time is because they are really down and out like when I first came to cannabis I hadn't slept for three weeks and I'd lost my first pregnancy that was the lowest point in my life and I just, you know, stood in a clinic terrified to get my prescription and was like, okay, here you go. And thank God my husband had been a rec user forever and he was able to kind of guide me. But after that, I thought, I don't want anybody ever to experience this again. They deserve to be held in that experience and examine that experience much deeper and much further in a holistic way and then pull in cannabis. But let's talk about the endocannabinoid system. Let's talk what dysregulates it and what nourishes it and start to pull in those pieces into your life because you can fill your body with as much cannabis as you want, but you might not get good outcomes if you're doing things that dysregulate it on the other side. So it's just such a big holistic picture that I think is just missing in the industry is this like realization. I'm trying to explain to people that they have an endocannabinoid system. <laughs> so hey, I can do that in 90 it. seconds, like no tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well wait i heard that jellyfish have endocannabinoid systems or everything in this plant well every like human being ex- and animals except insects have an endocannabinoid system the embryo or the fetus has one by seven weeks gestation and has an endocannabinoid system so it's from us from our beginning being we have an endocannabinoid system that's why the human body loves cannabis and that's why cannabis is like, well, that's too good to be true. How can it help my pain, my sleep, my mood, <laughs> make me not rage in traffic, make me a better parent? Like, you must be lying because <laughs> that's not possible. But then when you start to educate about the endocannabinoid system, then it starts to click for people. No, it's like learning about CBD for the first time as someone that was just had knowledge on the THC side of things. So I'm like, this is snake oil. No, 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 there's no way. It works <laughs> for everything. Uh, yeah. I'm like, you know, working with uh, some of the more experienced people, I'm just like, okay, like really like, so mood, 
diet, you know, anything. Yeah. Yeah, it applies. I'm like, you know, what'll catch their attention and what I've heard of it called is the promiscuous molecule CBD, right? It doesn't just work on our endocannabinoid system. It hits a massive amount of receptors in like in the human body. And scientists kind of stand there and like in the conference that I was in in the spring, we're just like, we don't know. We can't figure it out. Like how is one one cannabinoid able to hit like 25 different receptors in the human body? How do we figure this out? And I'm kind of sitting back there. I'm like, yeah, that, that's pretty profound. And I understand us wanting to under, like really dig in deep and understand it at a scientific level. But then when you take a step back and believe it's ancient medicine and that it's people's medicine, maybe we don't need to have this massive massive understanding about it because that's where people can anecdotally start working with it and see does it work for you does it not it almost works for everybody but you know like do we need to really understand every single piece of this plant i don't know no well we don't understand why we're here and it's working exactly (laughs) exactly well if it's developed at seven weeks gestation how many systems are not developed at seven weeks that are using that as a structure to build out Maybe yeah, that's why it interacts with 20 other systems because it's exactly. a replica system because the cannabinoid is the baseline. There's certain mm-hmm. things that get built first because they're easier to build first and then everything gets replicated. Well, and when you look at the endocannabinoid system as the master regulator of the body, of course, that's going to be built first. And, you know, it's just interesting. There's even, you know, pregnancy and cannabis use is something often talked about and really like, pretty you know I don't even know the right word for it but it's a touchy subject right but there is theory out there too that if a mom is to supplement with cannabinoids and again theory theory (laughs) that but if there's to supplement their system with cannabinoids and then get that to the fetus would we prevent some of these illnesses at birth like is there a congenital piece to a deficient endocannabinoid system right from the beginning well not only depleted but stressed because how yeah. many cannabinoid systems that aren't being nurtured or natured and that's both from overstimulation yeah understimulation and no stimulation because all yeah. three are something to play into a factor because an over uh, there you can definitely over consume when you're mm-hmm. looking to do certain things like there's points of overconsumption that whether you can overdose is different than whether you overconsume. Yes. Like, and and that's something that as a kind of industry we seem to agree upon, which is nice that overconsumption is it's funny at some points when it's accidental, but when it's excessive, yeah. Everyone just kind of leaves them be. <laughs> yeah, it's a horrible experience, right? Hey, that happened at the golf tournament. Yep. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going with the accidental, unintentional. Just give me this tea. What's that? Give me this tea. Tell me more. (laughs) Well, there was there there some cupcakes being handed around, and there was someone that's new to the consumption, and needless to say, she was not feeling very good relatively quickly, and somebody that had. Somebody that has a really high tolerance was cooked. Like sunglasses down at 10 a.m. when he was eating it at eight. And it was like like he could smoke with me level of tolerance. And he was cooked at 10 a.m. Yeah. Jelly. 
Some infused popcorn, so you're that'll take you. Yeah, man. One of my coworkers made this actually super delicious too. You can't even tell. Hey, that's a good idea. I got a bunch of butter in the fridge. That'd be a great Christmas treat. Well, even, even if you could figure out a way to like I infuse my keef. Well, not infuse it, but I decarb my keef. I would almost think about turning that into like a seasoning or something. If you could find something that could cover the flavor, that'd be a good way to be like self-dosing. Put like a garlic, uh, garlic butter yeah. on your steak and put a little bit of that. It might even add like, um, like there's certain foods with, I think I was telling you this in Niagara, certain yeah. foods with that taste of weed is actually really nice. Well, it just compliments it. It's like a, like a spice. They were actually talking about it at, at Grow Up at the Canatourism and the Consumption Lounge is based. It was a lot of focused towards restaurants and the food-based industry being the introduction of consumption lounges. I, and I, to- <laughs> <laughs> I totally, totally agree after listening to that. I was thinking 100% within Canada, we're not, especially with the smoke-free Ontario, like Alberta is likely to be the place that we're going to see a smoking canna- cannabis lounge pop up or Saskatchewan. You know how we get away These with two that? would be the two that could get away with it. Unless reserves get, start popping it up, so Ontario Ontario gets away with that by private privately owned spots. So like in Toronto, for example, when they had like vape lounges, it was somebody's apartment or like condo or whatever oh. that they had upstairs. So people were paying for private access to their spot, and they would go in their house and smoke weed in there, but no tobacco under closed roof. They could smoke weed only. Oh, uh, interesting. Vaporize, whatever. And you could rent, you're paying for, you're paying to get in and you're paying the rent bond and you're paying for a membership. So you're yeah. not paying to like go smoke weed. You know what I mean? No. But you're paying you for access and use. So, exactly. So like, it's just because it's a private residence, you can do what you want in your own house. Like you can fire one up, no problem. But if, if it's a business, can't do it. Can't even do it under a patio. But there's that little loophole. But I think that's why a lot of them got shut down. Like into well, got in COVID. Yeah. In the middle of uh, yeah, it's probably probably COVID. Wow. For for the actual smoking based consumption, I went and I was able to do um a tour bus, and you were consuming on the bus. I can see that being actually put through because you could have proper ventilation, and if you had a closed cabinet for the driver, like a separate door for the driver, where you have Hmm. a the back is. It's got its own venting system. And then you've got the front where it's the driver separate. You do essentially little tours and you set up in Edmonton and you go and you do a facility, you go to a dispensary, you go to a a small food, right? Like, and you have a bong (laughs) bar and you have dab like that. I could see being passed sooner than smoke in lounges just (laughs) because of the ability for the air exchange. And it's not, a single dwelling you're moving all the time and it's you're in there for 50 minutes you're going from point a to point b it'd be and I'm just like separating thinking, yeah. separating the drivers that there is no he's got fresh air and then you guys have your air <laughs> let's say there's a dispo that was ventilated and had plexiglass ready for a <laughs> consumption space to pump the smoke right out over the front door that is in this you where you're allowed to smoke outside 
<laughs> uh, Wait, know, what? Yeah, let's say you were ready for that and you're just calling the AGLC going today, today, today. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Little nudge to AGLC on hey, that. Uh, they just reminded me, Hotbox Cafe. They, so Fire and Flower owns the uh, Hotbox Cafe now. So I don't know if you guys know about that. It's in Toronto. Yeah. So they've got. Um, it used to, I'm pretty sure it used to just be like a vape yeah. lounge or a, a head shop or some shit. Now it's a dispensary with a lounge in the back. Yeah. You have to, so it's basically like the vape lounge as I was saying before, but now it's an outdoor patio and you pay like five bucks or whatever to like, you buy the product and then you go pit, spend five bucks, you go all back mm-hmm. and have your smoke, which I thought was kind of cool because like downtown's pretty busy and some people kind of just want the privacy. Yeah. I think they're the, one of the only legal spots that does that. Yeah. I just don't understand when you're pitching it as offering a space for someone who's like a part of an industry where, you know, you, you think you'd benefit from more people having more avenues to consume your product and you're yep. providing like avenues where it's completely safe. There's already, you know, like uh, dial a drive and stuff like that. There's ways around it where if someone gets a little too tipsy, you can do it. You just give me your keys. Why can't we have the same yep. power that a bar has? Oh, absolutely. And also, how much danger is there when smoking cannabis, too? No, when are we going to have like cannabis bars with like cocktails? That would be awesome. Or like vapor vapor tap bars. Not everyone gets that high. It's like having some people have like a drink or two, they're not drunk. Well, it's personal responsibility. It's personal responsibility to know your tolerance level, right? Like, That's not the retailer's problem. That's the individuals, even though they'll put the it on. Same thing, the same thing at a bar. Yeah. yeah. If you get cut off, you get cut off. Mm-hmm. And you got a safe way to get home. You have uh, avenues that are already provided. I don't. A couch to nap on. Exactly. Oh, Literally. Yeah. Trevor, <laughs> like, what's going to happen? We have a couch. Trevor, we yep. have a couch. You've seen it. You know, we're ready. They, like, they got oh, the hookup. They, they are ready to rock, man. I got to see this couch. It's way too close to my house to have not seen it yet. Yeah, come on. <laughs> in. Okay. At the dispo, dude. Mm-hmm. Which is for you, to, for you to hang out. Legit, like Northern Lights is legitimately the Big Brother version of what Boreal was. I'm not gonna lie. Like our little shop in Slave Lake. The first time I went into Northern Lights, I'm like, oh, this is home. Like it's it is the same type of feel, the same type of layout. Like it's it, you. It's like walking into the bush. Boreal was the same, same exact way. It's and the menu is massive, but it's all curated with like. You can tell that the products aren't just, oh, let's pick this. There's mm-hmm. some of yeah, that yeah. just to bring in the, because you might find a gem, yeah, but yeah. that's a part of the cannabis industry. Yeah, you got to gamble. <laughs> but it's not 90% of the menu like you see at Catacabana or the Spirit Leafs or the companies like that, where it's like the court district court managers gambling on, oh, Delta 9 at $25. Which of these three am I looking at, right? Yeah. Right. And it ends up being the same one three times in a row because they don't think that, oh, well, it's selling in one store, so it's selling in six. Yeah. Yeah. Send them another few. No, no. Seven packs of half gram P-rolls. You got any of those good supply indicas? (laughs) Oh. I always remember the the Canica 20s. 
twenties and twenty fours. Yeah. You guys had the twenty. Oh, I was gonna see what twenties. We had the twenty four and the thirties. Yeah. yeah, Ontario got well, the thirties now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they went infused. What's that? <laughs> the Canica 30 goes under the infused menu now. The only yeah. time oh, I've yeah. oh, yeah, away, bud, was infused. Yeah. Like an infused joint. I was like, what? I couldn't even smoke it. It's the only time I've ever thrown away cannabis. You know, those ever. Drinks ones are so good. It depends. I don't know. Whatever I had was like. Tea drinks. Yes. <laughs> well, I, we were, we were, ha we had the, um, oh, what did I get? The honeydew bulbas were the ones that we were smoking at Grow Up. I bought those at Northern Lights and brought those out to Ontario for Mike to try. Man, Yo, dude, the best thing that you brought was part, uh, all the parts eight. Oh, oh yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 GMO. I have so many, the uh, GMO? So many lighters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, the GMO was fire. Yeah. We had uh, a punchman. Yeah. yeah. The punchman. Oh, you got the punchman. Dude, he oh blew everybody away with that. Yeah. He gave a couple guys a, a few toes. They're like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I've seen <laughs> Timo right before harvest. It was beautiful. Oh. Like, it's a funny looking bud, but like, beautiful. Oh, it looks like Chemdog. It's got, it, like, you can it's see long, the Chemdog yeah. style genetics that where it's stretched out, but it is such mm. a cool girl. Such mm -hmm. a nice long bud. But that punchment's mad. That, that is next year. Like, there's yeah. a lot of people who looked at the GMO and they're like, that, yeah, this is like, edge of trips like low edge of trips as soon as Bro, he backed over that jar they're like oh quads. this is quads <laughs> <laughs> but they stopped drawing it because it looks weird yeah yeah they, they stopped the original cut of gmo they got a new cut of gmo that's coming higher tests and like higher like a nicer trim but yeah. oh yeah well I, mike mike got to see the new stuff and that's mm. it's good it is yeah, really good fire. Yeah. If they're changing their cut, hopefully it doesn't remove the funk because a lot of these guys have the wrong GMO pheno, pheno on the market. Nobody's bringing that actual, like, strong garlic. A lot of them are, like, mm. musty, earthy mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Not, nah. <laughs> well, you, like you smoked the new one, dude. You smoked the yeah. new one. That one was good, dude. Yeah. Really it's not like 4% now. Terps. It's nice. Yeah. It's, so it's a little bit better than the one you have. <laughs> sugar bud sugar buds was uh, a lot more mushroom mm. and um who was it melt had a good one but it was crossed with oz kush and edison had the worst gmo feel on the market <laughs> so airy. yeah i want to try the there was nothing one. good to select for in that piece. oh yeah well, they got a GMO live rosin uh, big card now. Oh, they do? They did run one of those too? That's interesting. Greybeard. Yeah. Oh, Greybeard. Yeah, Greybeard. Yeah, they're all live resin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pardon well, me. that. You're going to see the live resin take over the market from the distillate once people start yeah. seeing live total rosin. cannabinoid content because they're going to see 68% THC, but if they're CBG, CBN, CBD, like all of those, and it bumps it up to 82%. Well, mm. that's comparable to the distillate. Yeah, but this is going to yeah, last a lot of those, an hour uh, and a half versus 10 minutes. There's uh, more THCA in those live resins, too, and people don't seem to understand that. It's not activated yet. The nope. THC number is not going to be high on their container. Mm. They're like, they think that it's going to be shitty. It's really not. Well, well, you have a lot. 
you, you have like good control of the effect too with the temperature yeah well you got like the distinct their hash rosin carts and stuff like that hitting and they're like oh it's 68 percent and it's a half gram and it costs that much why smoke it like <laughs> unfortunately you don't have a sample option to just be like I know. Like there's there's such a huge difference. Like, oh, I need my 90% distillate. I'm like, "Mm, no, like you just And the way that how long it takes to make that hash rosin is is insane. It's a whole it's an extra process. They gotta wash it, now they gotta then they gotta press it, and they're gonna put it in the cart. that's that education piece right that high percentage doesn't necessarily mean something (laughs) that it's like we're looking for quality behind the product, not just big numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Well, could you imagine being able to hand people those, what is it, the Venturi cups with just a, a just a sample of it? Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, okay, pour that in, take a taste and inhale and let that just settle for, settle for a little bit. You'll feel the effect. You'll feel why the half gram's worth that much because it's going to last you three times the amount a one gram distillate card's going to last you. Yeah. Because it's going to be falling out of your hand before you're going for that third or fourth pull. <laughs> Where the pistol, you're just sitting there and hitting it, and then you're like, oh, well. And like, my throat's on fire. Too. I need something to drink. Yeah. 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 Your, your body's better for it, too. <laughs> yeah. Because when you're inhaling less, right? Like, you. Like, I'll never give up my joint. I know it's not like the perfect way to smoke. It's not the scientific nurse way that I promote, but I'm like, I will be 90 in my rocky chair. Don't give a fuck. But, um, but still there's that education piece, like looking for that whole plant, that live, like, like live resin or whatever it might be in those carts instead of these distillate, isolate kind of products, right? Well, I, my mom, she's a perfect example. She said, I'm not going to ever smoke. Mm-hmm. But now it's, I've explained the difference between combustion and mm-hmm. vaporization. Yep. And now the vaporization is something that legitimately is open to now. Like yeah. even on the, the live rosin concentrate, it's like, well, really low, low doses of like a full spectrum live rosin because mm-hmm. the flavor is a little bit nicer to be introduced to. It's yeah. a little bit easier for her to control it. It's like, okay, I can understand why that would be the appeal. And oh, for sure. Yeah. Like the nice thing is, is that it's a vapor. You're not burning anything because the I'm glad you brought that up. Burn, right? It's easy to control. A lot of people seem to miss that when they see how potent these products are, but they seem to forget that you really only need a tiny little like sip off of your vape. Yeah. And that's how I teach people. It. You don't need <laughs> to gram. You don't have to hit blinkers on your vape. You look, unless you're trying to get blasted but like it doesn't doesn't even if you are trying to get high off you don't need to hit it for that long yeah you yeah. just need a tiny bit oh i'm gonna throw a science fact at you guys right here because when you inhale do you hold it in your lungs Typical. You uh yes but just not like uh not like what we're told to i didn't yeah, have to keep inhale yeah because you know they're always like deep inhale hold it in your lungs you don't need to like we get enough gas exchange within one second and it's better for our lungs to inhale, exhale quicker than having holding that hot vapor in the lungs. Um, where did I learn that? And I'm trying to think back. I think he was actually in the CCIC 
like cannabinoid conference this last spring was that yeah the impact on the lungs is often from holding in that hot smoke for too long that's when you start to get that damage from the heat and the particles that kind of thing happening when actually you don't need to hold it in that long but <laughs> even just watching smokers right it's just like this gotta hold it in gotta get it all right but really you're just irritating your lungs more and creating more mucus to cough up in the morning so well and I feel like people cough their brains out too because they don't give like a they don't actually exhale completely they just go yeah, to cough to get off yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and um, when people are looking for an introduction to a bong for me mm. it's clear is the number one thing i say you need to be able to see the smoke inside the bong mm-hmm. and the number two is if you think you've had enough pull the bowl clear the bong and take a breath in after cool that air down in your lungs because it's hot you need to cool that down. You will feel better taking that little bit of fresh air in because your throat's going to cool down. So that when you exhale, the smoke's not blaring hot when it comes back out. Mm-hmm. And your lungs are searching for oxygen. So you're not <gasps> and starting that little bit of a gag and cough and reflex, which most smokers first time, that's usually why they start coughing is because they, they bounce their tongue against the back of their throat, essentially, because they need to breathe so hard. It's like, is it, cut the bowl early. Cut the bowl early, get that oxygen exchange, have the three or four coughs, and then go back and finish the bowl or finish it in t- five or ten minutes. You're not going to be able to smoke yeah. like me. My lung capacity is totally different than yours. it's been building up you do build up a little bit of a tolerance resistance a little bit of just general lung capacity for doing that task it's like Like, me when i'm swimming beginning of the year to the end of the year do you think my lungs have a better capacity quite Mm -hmm. a bit Mm i put in how many thousands of kilometers over that year swimming back and forth right like it's the same thing when you're doing bong rips. It's the same thing when you're hauling off of a joint. It takes time. So sipping, gotta build get that a better flavor profile because you're not scorching the shit out of it. And two, you can enjoy yourself because you're not coughing while you're smoking. Like oxygen <laughs> deprivation doesn't equal high. Exactly. Yeah, explain that before you rip. Yeah. Like oh, you guys got like a gas mask. It's like no, no, don't, don't do it. <laughs> uh, I think that was poppers when I was younger. Oh yeah. I used to smoke poppers and I used to rip them through a gas mask, like yellow smoke. Disgusting. Oh. <laughs> my, I still have a face. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I've smoking I've smoked some yellow milky bong rips that's just been flowering a little bit of hash, but that's that's a little bit of a self-punishment is what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Stupid children. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. At the at the golf tournament, we like a bunch of us are hanging out in the booth and we're like, this is exactly what we tell our children not to do. And we just did it. Like, <laughs> like what are we? 14? Like <laughs> yeah, let's let's get all together, smoke some weed first thing in the morning. Have some people pop like taking like edibles that are knocking them out. Yeah. I love the amount of people who are drinking kombucha, like the THC infused. I saw about four of those at the beginning of the day i'm like okay at least those guys are knowing their guts are gonna hurt later today so they're starting early doing a little rehab (laughs) before and it's actually not bad it's actually not a bad kombucha 
kombucha. And, you know, the one, well, I don't think it's available on the market. I'm going to forget the name, but because like pro or like nourishing your guts is nourishing to your endocannabinoid system. So it's kind of a cool, like double hit when you can consume cannabinoid with a properly made kombucha. It's like really kind of hitting that wellness space and really actually nourishing the endocannabinoid system in quite a powerful way. Well, that's, that's a product that I realistically with CBD enriched should be on just general store shelves. Yeah. Or like in a health food store or something like that. Like, yeah, no, I totally agree. I actually really like that product. And I would have zero issue if to start it off with, we start with hemp-based infusion with the CBD. If that's what we need to get it in the public space to show that it would have the appeal, because I'm sure the majority of the cannabis market would go and grab a cannabis-based drink. We were told if we're getting it for a dollar or two less from the dispensary. Yeah, they are pricey. And I guess I have like a little bit of a fear of like CBD becoming unregulated and where it becomes like the states when you can line up like a row of American CBD products and two out of the five have what they say in them. Like, you know, when you can walk in yeah, the like there's that. like a CBD bottle of that Costco, right? Like massive oil bottle. That's, that's a big fear that I have. And they're like, want to get it out there. We want to get it out there. But I do really like in our market that it is heavily regulated in that sense that you know what is in your product. You well, know, you don't know if it's irradiated, but at least you know that what your CBD product is it has what it says is in it right so i wish there was more ingredients on our vape pack yeah i was um i recently learned about fennel i think it's called it comes from chlorophyll so it's like a terpene that's in the chlorophyll and a lot of people use it as a cutting agent especially in the states now here it's not really used it's not banned but people don't really use it as much it's frowned upon how canada did like a study on it yeah anyway long story short it was melting the rats like completely melting them so it, and like they're sticking it in our vape carts and like in, in an abundance. Uh, Canada, obviously not so bad, but like people do still put them. So like either way, like I kind of want to know what they're putting in there other than friggin' distillate because they're saying botanical terpenes, but like oh. what? Because is is it fennel? Like we don't even know really what it is. Well, I'm kind of. I hate that botanical terpenes term. I'm like, I don't want that. I want my whole plant that has my terpenes in it. I'm not here for a big modified product. Like what the hell are botanical terpenes? You just hopping on the terpene train. Like it doesn't- All of this stuff gets spun off in a centrifuge anyway. Can't they just merge it, merge it back in? Well, I've never worked in that department. I couldn't tell you, yeah. but like I swear that's how it's done. That's where it's spun off into a different and if we're thing. Gonna and then those- they can just- yeah, like you can use those botanical terpenes. Let's use the integer packs, where it's that it's like throwing an apple or an orange, or you don't know. No, man, that's cheating. People are already spraying their weed with terpenes to make it well, better. Like, I don't know. I think that's that's cheating. Well, for me, what I'm saying is, if we're going to do the infusion, do it like that, where it's yeah. abundantly apparent from what it is, because the integer packs. If they're going to be infused, have it stamped with what it's infused with. So when you open yeah, it no, up, right. re- like the sh- the shred, if you look at it, it says shredded and it's got right beside it. I can't remember what it, because the wording I think has changed since there. But if you look on the shred, on shred? It, it, on shred, they have the milk flower and then, <laughs> and then on the actual side of the bag or on the back of the bag, it'll say something that essentially breaks down into terpenes, like botanical terpenes. So they've got flavor infused into it. I can't remember whether it's on the front or the back and Mike will find the bag and prove it for it. <laughs> but I've, t- I've talked to so many people and they're like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, look hard enough on the bag and it's hidden on there. 
So that's why you look at the shred. It's always the same flavor. Or I think it's it's taste or smell. Or it's what it's how it's worded on there. And it's like they, they define the smell. aroma. Yeah, they, yes. they define the aroma and the uh, the smell, and then they give you a distinct like, uh, for example, like Tropic Thunder, citrus, gas as a yeah. profile. And yeah. then you read on the back, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gross. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's this curated blend, tropical plus citrus aroma, seven grams. It doesn't tell you shit about the taste, though. No, right no, there, plus exactly. citrus aroma. Everyone's looking at that, and they go, "Oh, so it has? It smells like citrus. It's a good citrus flower." It's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's like used with citrus aroma, folks. But it's just like go back to the basics. I don't know. Dollars seven grams shredded, twenty plus percent THC. Yeah. Are you gonna complain? Yeah, they, they and, buy, and spend uh, forty bucks for that papers, and maybe a joint for the ride home or a pack of joints for the ride home. Yeah. That's that's what's doing it. Yeah. It's the same reason why we, we have twenty dollar red can ready with the straight cut. <laughs> I will argue with anybody on that. I will argue with anybody on that. It's the price point and the fact that they burn and smoke like a cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Those are the two reasons that product sells. Yeah. And that love is them or hate the key them. reason. Price yeah. and they're cut like a cigarette and they burn like a cigarette. You almost Yo, get their cake that pack do. is more expensive than buying a, a whole like ounce separately for that shit. Yeah. Then the infused is worth 16 grand. So I hope you don't want anything else today. Yeah, they have an infused one. Yeah, the Reddy's plus. Yeah, bro. Yeah, twenty five percent. Yeah, twenty five percent THC, but we still see in the same space Black Cherry Punch at twenty two percent THC. But you've got uh, the Black Cherry Punch example, rough MSRP twenty bucks. Uh, the infused twenty nine ninety nine, and we're going from twenty two percent to twenty five percent. But now people that would have just smoked natural flower. Now they're smoking disty with every joint. Because they're uh, putting the lower grade flour. Yeah. Lower they're putting grade. the lower grade flour and the trim in there and topping it with distillate. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's Hexo making money. Yep. Yeah, yep. their their own reps are so discouraged in our particular market. It's gross. They come in with their heads hung. It's like, oh wow. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, they, I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> well, they they know. They like it's a sad thing. Like they canopy they're those reps they're working hard on reviving doja why because that's the only brand that has any sort of quality in their flower right now that on, yeah, on the canopy on the canopy market yeah that biscotti is really good man they actually have something they've gotten better. a lot better right yeah, like doja is key. it was ace valley for a little bit and now they're looking for a new brand manager <laughs> and doja's keeping them afloat their yeah, own the brand is non-existent there. anymore it's yeah. non-existent they killed what used to be a unique and very very amazing ge genetic pool and grower they killed it tweed well tweed was tweed there's only so much you can do oh, with that company it's so big you know what you were getting into exactly they're yeah, they were the aurora aurora the they they took all the arrows on the back and kept trending i gotta give them respect they lasted longer than aurora did <laughs> yeah so 
Like it's, I have nothing nice to say. About those guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to be said. <laughs> I, I think I treaded that pathway as nice as we could. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's just sometimes it's like, you know, there's nothing else to add. Yep. Nod. <laughs> like, yeah. you give him credit because Doja's really what's coming back. But other than that, it's all wait and see, see who they're buying. That's that's really what we're waiting. Who's high tide buying? Who's canopy buying? Who's um, well, like freedom? Freedom starting to eat up people. They just bought out Boaz. Yeah, yeah. Who's then like freedom? Joy was for sale. I know Boaz. Who's freedom? Freedom is another Alberta-based grower. Yeah, but they are based in Edmonton, and they bought Boaz, which is Calgary, and doubling their capacity, getting all of the seed bank from Bose. That's freedom. I like Boaz, bro. Interesting stuff. They've always done good. That well, they've done well in Ontario. <laughs> Boaz was my most heartbreaking tour that I ever went on. Oh, the, really? I, I cannot uh, remember the, the gentleman's name that was the master grower. I don't know if he's still there. But man, he was so heartbroken. Like he, He'd go to pop a sea can once we got to the vault. He's like, look at that. Isn't that like amazing? Like huge fist-sized purple nugs with like white frosting on them. It's like, wow, man. Oh my God, that smells like wine. Like, wow, when's that coming out? It's like, never. It's 14% THC. Slams the lid and puts it away. He's like, that'll never see your market because no one will ever buy it. I'm like, I'll buy it. Like, give it to me. You know, like, no. But he's like, yeah, R&D and then to the incinerator and then it's gone. And then- uh, It's it's insane how how much plants these places throw out. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, every time you get a sample, remember that uh, uh, everything else that you didn't get got incinerated. <laughs> yeah, it's it is the amount of waste and stockpile that the cannabis industry has in Canada is disgusting. You know what we could do with the stalks and the leaves that we throw out and the root balls? So much. Just just that in one facility. Like the amount of fibers and shit that we make. It's insane. It's all garbage, bro. Well, just just healthy yeah, compost. Just cannabis compost. Could you imagine the, the appeal for low, low price, high grade cannabis-based compost? Earthworm castings. The leaves Growers would go eight shit over that. Or I was even with one of the, I don't know if it was the grower who it was at Partake was talking. He was in the cattle industry for a long time out here in Alberta. And he said, we could be feeding these clippings to cows. Like we feed them corn that has zero nutritious value. But imagine if we could be, instead of filling it with kitty litter and sand and throwing it in our landfill, that we could be feeding cattle. And imagine the nourishment that that would give cattle, giving them the like acid forms of cannabinoids that goes into our meat, into our bodies. Yeah. or our milk or whatever it might be right it's just it's such a twisted industry in that sense well and and even when it comes to like the shake and the trim someone like me and mike if we could go and buy garbage bags like kilogram bags of shake and trim for our own home extraction yeah we would be driving across the province to pick up certain genetics because we like the way that flower tastes we think it's going to be a dumper and then all of a sudden we need to get our security clearance like that's it we need our security clearance. I'm pretty sure we could buy it after that. Oh, there you go. Just contract it out. Make Canada-wide raw. No, they, they're selling that shit for cheap, bro. 10 cents on the gram. Some of this trim. Like, like cheap and cheap. Yeah, exactly. And, like, some of it's small bud still. Like, it's still 
perfectly smokable, usable product. But it's just, it'll never make it to market because people don't want to buy it. Or there's such an abundance of the product that they already have that's in the higher quality, they just, they they won't be able to move the lesser stuff. Like Dude, all these things they need to do is add a little a little stiff machine and a freaking rosin press and they're turn their crap in it into something beautiful. Well, or what they think is crap anyway, that's actually not. Like, and that's the thing too. Like, we go around these facilities. We've met some of these people that actually run these industries and these these businesses and whatnot. We know they personally do have these implements on on deck on site sometimes they got a press that they're sampling their own stuff through or going through and doing it themselves why is there so much restriction on if they can make it if they can do it themselves in-house right there like, it's wild you need a whole separate license yeah, exactly. uh, for processing. well and then then the people that can put out flour that's got like a, a unique tur profile or a good enough like cannabinoid profile uh like wide one that, they, that you'd be interested in putting that into a, into a uh, concentrate, then they're limited to, what is it? I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like 60 kg or something like that as to how much they can actually sell in a calendar year to be processed or how much you as a processor yeah, can buy yeah, as well. It's like, that was the other thing. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, well, like if I can't, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get it wrong. I won't even bother. But it's it's another limited thing. It's around that it's sixty something is sticking in my head. I just don't remember what it was. But you can only buy and sell so much, and then if you're planning to process it, there's a, a firm like you know how it is, of course, where we. It must see be things. sixty thousand. That that makes more sense. I yeah. think I'm pretty sure. I'm not gonna name the spot just in case, but I'm pretty sure they're like I know someone is uh, doing six hundred kg per shipment for uh, for concentrate. Like that's what they're getting in whole flour. Yeah. So it, maybe it is per year. That would make sense if everything adding up for six, like 60000 Yeah, yeah. Well, then but I'm could, just guessing right now. No, that makes sense, though. But then you've got Health Canada going, uh, okay, well, four grams or one gram of input, if it's a concentrate, equals four grams of customer limit and things like that, where the equivalency is so far off. People think it just applies to drinks. It's like, dude, do you know how much Zhongyi they had to press to get you that wax that you're buying from Good Supply? But you could buy less drinks. I yep. could get two or yep. three drinks at 10, yep. uh, 10 milligrams a pop for yep. my whole ounce. Or like, I think it's five or whatever. For the yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like not going to get anywhere near stoned off of my six, seven grams of rosin yeah. I'm allowed to buy. Well, we, we uh, got like whole signs in the store around like, like hey, bro, you ever heard of a five pack? Neither have we. Please write your MLA. <laughs> 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 but, like, it no just point. doesn't make They're sense like, it's not proven to be risk like where's the risk behind having more when you can walk into a liquor store buy enough booze for a ukrainian wedding and kill all of them but you can't walk out of a cannabis store with more than 30 grams and then again it's just more barriers right like luckily here in alberta they took down the regulation of having like the blacked out windows right like not being able to see into a dispensary there again, it is another barrier because what you have an adult store down the street that you feel weird going into because it's blacked out, and then you have a cannabis shop, and then you're out. Like, Not being able to bring like, your kid in is bullshit too. Yeah. Oh, you know how many times I've been kicked out. <laughs> you know it's we working. had we had a thing for uh, when I was at Fire and Flower. It was um, our, our shop had to be stroller accessible why they're not allowed in there yeah. it was insane it, it had to be stroller accessible but we can't yeah. allow strollers inside 
And here's like, here's the contrast, like how much money is going into safety proofing so many of these products where my like, we're on the deck and my four and a half year olds, like chugging my vodka seltzer because it tastes like juice. And I'm like ready to lose my mind because it can't get into my pre-roll joint. Like, And how are we erasing a stigma when you got to leave your kid outside the door because mommy's inside buying something that is fine, but now it looks like it's terrible. But like you could bring them in the store to help you shop for your wine and shit. It's just so noticeable. Yeah, it doesn't start breaking down stigma where maybe that mom is just going in to get some CBD so that she can make it through her night with her kids because her postpartum anxiety is so bad. Like, where does that, none of that matters. Don't you want your mom consuming cannabis, nourishing her body? Then you want a mom chugging a bottle of wine or get this contrast in emerge really stressful shift. Yeah, that's normal. Y'all come on on shift again at seven in the morning. And they're like, Oh, three of your colleagues are like, I had a bottle of wine last night so I could sleep. Mm-hmm. And like, cause that was like, Oh my God, that was such a stressful shift. And I'm like, yeah, I smoked a joint, went to bed and everybody looks at me like I'm a freaking alien. And I'm like, I am more fit to work here today, this morning than you are, because I had a, I downregulated my nervous system. I nourished my endocannabinoid system, had a great sleep, dealt with the trauma I dealt with on that shift because my endocannabinoid systems helping me tra- file my traumatic memories. And now I show up fit to work. And I was talking like there's firefighters doing a grow here in Edmonton or like just finally getting their license. And they said, what is it going to take that when we're advertising on social media, pick up your free six pack if you're a healthcare worker, because you go through hell where it's like, come pick up your free five pack of joints or whatever it might be so that you can nourish your body and overcome the trauma that your system was put through in our medical system working in it. The science supports this, but it's just society. Right. And that's, I like host something called a can of Queens club for women where I'm doing cannabis education for women, empowering them in their use, knowing that they're nourishing their bodies and putting down their bottles of wine and nourishing their bodies with cannabis. So they have greater capacity in whatever roles they're holding. Because I said, this is what's going to break stigma is you declining that, that drink, or, you know, that generalized society is like, you need to be drinking wine. You're putting that down and you're nourishing your body. Don't you want to teach your kids how to nourish your body? I openly consume in front of my kids and I have to like, anytime my kids go into a new program or something, I'm like, my children will openly talk about cannabis. If you're comfortable with it or not, like we need to talk about that now, but this is a normal thing in my household. I'm not hiding this. It's, it's a nourishment. It's not, it doesn't need to be hidden. And I think our, you know, our regulations around cannabis still continue to play into that stigma of, you know, it's scary, it's bad, you know, it needs to be hidden, all of those things, it still plays into that. So like, where do we start turning that around? And I think it's when, or even lots of my patients go sit down with their doctors and they're like, no, that's not your cannabis. That's just your, your arthritis is in remission. It's all in your head. But when my individual can sit down with them and have a conversation at a basic level about the endocannabinoid system, that's a different conversation than the, I just smoke weed, right? Anyways, went on a little tangent there, but that's definitely, really gets, gets me fired up is like, how do we rewrite this stigma? And I think it's just people being conscious consumers of it and being able to go to that person in the family that could be struggling with cancer and say, Hey, you know what? I've been using cannabis for this long for these reasons. And this is how it nourishes my body. I believe it could help you. That's a different conversation than just throwing a doobie at somebody, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sneaking out back to smoke during a family event or whatever it might be. Right. And I actually, I really believe that women will have a huge role to play in that. 
because, and this is like gender typing and generalization, but women often are the healers of families. Our nursing population is mostly women. So if we can put this tool back in their toolbox, then do we start to spread it through generations? My phone is dying. Hold on, I'll be back. <laughs> His phone was dying, so he's going to oh, get I heard father, <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah exactly building off your point having that access to the knowledge so that people can become comfortable enough to ask the questions that they're unsure of because Mm -hmm. like the biggest thing for me when I was first getting into this was I had so many questions I didn't know which ones were the best ones to ask at that point in time so if we can provide the base information to where they're like oh I don't think I want to smoke. I don't think I want to have edibles. The capsules, the vaporizers, and like the topicals and the lotions, I think those would be the few things that I'd be okay to look at. Mm-hmm. That's huge coming in and being in as a bud tender, having somebody go, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. But I'm yeah. thinking this, this, and this are things I'm okay with. Okay, awesome. Which of those three would be your priority? Which would be the thing that you'd be most willing to give a chance? Well, Mm -hmm. capsules and the edibles. Okay, perfect. Well, we're going to go and focus on that part of the store. I'm not going to show you papers. I'm not going to show you lighters. I'm not going to show you any of that shit because it doesn't matter to you. What matters is this and this. And having it set out nicely so that they're not just bombarded with like, I went into a value, but once I try to never go in there because I hate it, but you know, and it's just like this wall of bongs the minute you walk in, like, and you're like, no, that's not the experience we want to curate at all. Like that right then and there is a turnoff, right? Well, and we should almost be separating shops like that as like, and I, and I've got the mentality of the catacabanas, the value buds, the spirit leaves, all of those type of dispensaries have their place. But they're the kind, they're almost more of the automated dispensaries to where you go, you scan your ID, you tap your credit card, you press one B and your pre-rolls drop out of there. They're more of that style dispensary where you know what you're getting, you show up, you just buy the product. Yes. Dividing between at the airport, right? Dividing between that kind of like rec use and then that educated more like I might dive in between. I have to discount the spirit leaf one though with some of the individually owned ones. Some of those spirit leaves are my favorite actually. Yes, I will. I will. I'm not at at no point am I shitting on any of the bud tenders or the managers because they like some of the value buds and like some Mm -hmm. of those bud tenders are are killing it. They're doing what they're doing with the menu they have. I got to give my respect to them. A huge respect. at the lowest pay exactly like major respect to you guys i am i am still killing it but your bosses are a bunch dicks (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be honest both can be true (laughs) yeah Yeah. if you're working at a dispo and it isn't like working at the willy wonka chocolate factory then the people that are running that dispo need to get out of the way Yeah, like, like there's nothing wrong with being the money person in the dispensary. There's absolutely nothing wrong being the chief financial officer. Because if you can find three people that know what they're doing, they will make you money. It may not be a lot of money right now, but they will make you money in the long run. Because they'll be the people who built a community and a family around that dispensary. 
that will come back through thick and thin. When you yeah. say, hey, you guys, we're going to have to bump the prices up a little bit. This is coming. This is coming. This is coming. They don't have an issue paying the extra two or three dollars for some of their no. products because they are willing to help and pay for it to have you around. And we had that once upon a time, but, you know, the big boys came in. Same here, man. Roost. Exactly. Yeah, I had a feeling it was the same guys that came for us, but it was it, same shit. <laughs> like, it's just having that, well, we're here to sell as much as we can mentality yeah. versus we're here to provide the best service we can. And that's like the difference between a mom and pop shop versus mm -hmm. like your general chain, right? And I guess it's what kind of experience do you want? Do you want to just get high for the cheapest dollar? Well, you go here, right? Exactly. Or do you want that experience or that community that can come alongside cannabis? Then, then that's where you're drawn into like more individually owned stores that, you know, maybe provide like some educational events or, you know, start to meet your needs. Like, I don't know, just cannabis, right? Oh, exactly. I don't know uh, about you guys, but we got drive through uh, dispensaries like in Brampton, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. We have a few of them. It's weird. That'd be convenient for moms. Can you buy it's, Yeah, yeah actually, yeah, good point, actually. Like, I would love that. <laughs> you can drive through pharmacy, right? Since you can't bring them in. <laughs> well, realistically, now with the delivery, what's the difference between pre ordering online and then driving through and going, I'm order number this? Mm -hmm. Here you go. Yeah. It's literally the exact same thing, only the person that's paying is picking it up. Yeah. Well, like I'd rather stay home. You <laughs> got companies that are tied in with other companies that are going to benefit off that model. Whereas the independent dude, if you want delivery, uh, I can give it to you one day a week between these hours. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to have to fire somebody, you know, like. And they jumped onto delivery so late that like they should have hopped onto that at the beginning of COVID instead of post COVID. <laughs> it was so yeah. stupid. They waited till the last few months of like, yeah, it, you know, yeah. Let's get out of the way now that there's yeah. no risk. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, it would have made a lot more money. Yeah, prior. For, for a shop like Jordan and for a shop like mine, the delivery didn't make zero sense. Your downtown Edmonton makes a little bit more sense to set up okay. delivery. Because why furthest you're going is 15 minutes. Yeah. And you can set that delivery standard. We deliver to this area because the next shop over will deliver to you that area. We got a 15-minute window we'll hit you with. Yeah. See, for our town, it worked out great because it's so small. You could do the you could circle the whole town in 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, and we wouldn't, we don't have the demand, like it would be, we would need to have like 45 minute loops out of town because those would be the primary orders. And they'd be like, Oh, Hey, I want to order an ounce. And my brother wants to order an ounce and the cousin wants to order an ounce. And so you'd be bringing out like a, a half pound of weed, which is okay, not like got that ass fun. Yeah. The only uh, people <laughs> that are set up to do that are the owners of the shop. Do you think you're going to get owners of the shop to act like fucking pizza drivers? No. Nope. Nope, not going to happen. They won't do it. They're the only people that have the licenses that enable them to carry more than an ounce. So even if I wanted to, even if I had a Friday where I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's make some money. Let's turn on my sign. Let's go run some orders. Um, yeah, you be I don't know how they had me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Now that I'm thinking about it, they had me delivering tons of orders. No way. Damn. Yeah, I thought it was allowed. I guess not. 
Well, you were also rolling shit in the back of the shop come the end of there, dude. So yeah, but dude, that's 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 the that's the weird thing. Like when we were private, we can't do any of that shit. As soon as we get bought out by somebody bigger, things end up more lax, which is kind of weird. Yeah, well, it, I think it comes to the point of like, uh, you know, I break. I, I always look at it like I'm gonna follow every regulation because. Uh, you know, this is somebody else's dream that I'm a part of. I'm not going to be the reason that it ever ends. Mm -hmm. So if there's a rule, I follow it because I, you yeah. know, I, I'm very fortunate to work for people that like, you know, it's almost like a love relationship, you know, yeah. I want to do everything I can for them because every day they do everything they can for me. So it's like, yeah, there's a rule. I'm there. I'm following it. And I think it's a really big misconception by the public that cannabis industry is full of money. Like it's just such a massive no money misconception. <laughs> People are working hard, but that's why I try to teach too that where your dollars are going really matters. So where, where do you want your money going? Because these people are, they're working so hard. Got some weird light issues going on here, but working really hard to make their money or just to stay afloat. This is not an industry full of money. Like it's that's what's going to be great in a few years. Cause it's only going to be people that are here for the love and are here for the right reasons and are actually passionate about this. Cause it's it's not profitable anymore and it it especially if you're going legal it's a little bit of a money pit for a lot of these people that did, did it before that might think that they're going to make the same money now it's it's not like that and like even the cost on the ounce or on the pound it's gone down so dramatically like if you you have to like this to do it it's it's yeah. a lot of, it's it's farm work and especially if you're in cultivation like you're yeah. you're you're uh, yeah you're a farmer you're an indoor farmer so if you don't like it, like it's not, it's definitely not for the money. You've got to love working with the plants. You've got a ghost in there, don't you, Kayla? Uh -huh. <laughs> well, well, there's like the, there's legitimately a shit ton of money in this industry. It's just yeah, yeah. are the top oh, money producers. Dot yeah. Tough. yeah, absolutely. Like, like when you're looking at, I'm seeing ranges at like 65% seems to be the conservative excise tax number to say that kind of hits everyone across the country i'm seeing it up to 80 percent for some companies and they're showing proof of it it's like so yeah man. 65 to 80 percent of the revenue of anything that's coming through is government okay this is this yeah. is more than just an excess this is a full cash grab I heard something like if you if um if say we want to spend like thirty five dollars out the gate like tax in everything for a three and a half that the producer is making like ten bucks mm -hmm. fifteen if bucks that. If, yeah yeah I've heard like numbers like something like eight fifty and eight is their profits and then they gotta pay people yeah and keep shit afloat yeah. exactly and you gotta keep people motivated to stay passionate to want to innovate to want to make changes to make the industry what we want to be you're paying someone there. This is what it costs me to show up to work today. Fee. We're never going to get the industry to what the rest of us want to see. Yeah. It's, same it's, comment about the bud tenders, right? When you're getting minimum wage, where's the motivation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. You want to know why we're rotating bud tenders so much? That's why. I'm like 18 and 19 year olds. That's Stop. why I I'm like 18 and 19 year olds. And you'll start having the 20, 30, 40 year olds working there that give a shit. Cause I would have no issues going back in a dispensary. If I was treated as somebody who has three years experience, I can help curate the menu. I could help. Like, I'm not expecting to be a manager, but 
if I, I can have that. a selection of the of a of a menu I can curate. Like I get 15% of the menu that I can help develop with. Yeah. I'm not saying I want that. What I want is what I want. It's okay. These are the products I would think. What do you think we should bring in for, to kind of fill this 15%? The, okay, well, pre-rolls are selling well. Let's focus on your pre-rolls this time. We'll do eight. Well, next like, of the market too. When you have some educated people talking about cannabis, if you have your minimum wage paid, 19 year old behind the counter that starts to define the industry too right like i got into that because of how much i loved it like i ended up taking my sommelier and figured like this is like the perfect place to work i'm not i was not a retail person i was behind i was back of house in the kitchen for years and then my first like front of house job was the dispensary but like i i love cannabis so i figured like that that was a good place to go but like like again like i would have stayed if it was like better for like finances i couldn't i couldn't afford to stay there you know mm-hmm. well and if you go and you have it set up in a sense where it's like within that like i was saying the six month period to go from the opening bud tender to that mid-tier you have to part be participant in two to three live bud tender events well yeah. if we have that all of a sudden we've got more bud tender events happening because you need more bud tender events to get them promoted and get them raised so, so a, Attica like, Bada, Spirit Leaks, all those companies see the financial revenue and putting some money out there for the education. The government then can see the revenue of putting out some money for the education. So and that's, that's not advertising. Like me, You're allowed to do that. Somebody mm-hmm. like me could go to go and ask for a bursary or a do, not necessarily a donation, but some a sponsorship from the government where it's like, I want to put on this educational base. Kayla's going to talk. I'm going to have these two growers from this company is going to come in. And it's going to be nothing but knowledge for the consumers and the bud tenders. Bud tenders get free access. Consumers pay 15 bucks to cover their cost. Well, so, and I think the more you pull in education, the more passionate you get of those people behind the counter too, because they're like, I'm not just selling pot. I'm selling something that can literally change somebody's life. You're helping somebody. And I see that on like a daily basis. That's why I love my job now is because I'm not just putting out fires and making sure this person's not yapping anymore because they're not in so much pain, you know, like you're not just sedating, you know, I call them up and they're like, you know what? I had to go to Toronto all of a sudden. I was able to drive in Toronto traffic without losing my mind. (laughs) But like for a veteran, that is a big step. That is a huge freaking step. Like just being able to allow them to enjoy driving again. Or what if it means taking their wife out for dinner for the first time in 20 years in service because their nervous system is supported these or that they have less pain. So now they're exercising or, you know what I mean? Like if we can start talking about more of this medicinal stuff and put fire under people's butts, that they're actually doing something really amazing in this industry and they're providing, you know, wellness and medicine for people. It's not, they're not just getting people high. Well, there's, and- there's a lot of passion behind it then. Well, and by tiering our bud tenders, we'd be able to show a gradual certification of knowledge. And if you get to a certain level and you're just cool hanging out there, stay there. There's nothing wrong. That would be a good feature for cancel. They got all those extra little things. Yeah. Like there is like uh, coterie certification, Carmel certification. They should have those. Like little um tier, like you're saying, bud tender tiers. Like the pack cert. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like did you get your free packs? Yeah, pack certified. <laughs> well, and, and realistically, there should be a product knowledge when it comes to accessories. Because mm-hmm. as a bud tender, how many people know how to explain, like I did a little bit earlier, your Gathering. first bond experience? 
or being able to take a bath. Yes. Or have a bud tender not embarrassed to talk about how to use a suppository. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Selling so like, lube. Yeah, that was yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Though, like these are huge things that can increase quality of life, but everybody's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. But no, it needs to be talked about. People like, used to come in and whisper about that when we had I the sex pot. Yeah. Yes. Come in and wh like whisper to us, like, what, what, what's it gonna do to me? And no one wants to talk about it. And then the people that have used it didn't want to talk about it. And give it's a party give starter. Well, you know what you say? Shameless party yeah. starter. That's all you have to say. Or you know how your, your mouth gets dry and your eyes get dilated? It's not bad to have extra blood flow. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. Perfect. I, I like that. That's medical That's right. there. That's science, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> tender, not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All in the vasodilation. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we've been going for almost two hours, you guys, and I'm sure we could keep going for two more. We'll definitely have to get the three of us organized again and keep Part going. Two. This is a great conversation. It wasn't really on the topic that I thought, but it really stuck within a yeah. great topic of just like the industry as a whole and kind of where we would like to see bud tenders to go. So that's huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um since we didn't get to do the introductions at the beginning we'll give you guys all a chance to kind of let everyone know who you are what you would like to do in a little bit and where they can catch you on social media or if you are working on any other podcast projects let them know and then uh, we'll wrap things up so we'll start with jordan because he's just to the right of me and then we'll go down to michael and finish up with kayla well, for uh, my intro to weed, my personal intro here, I was a bit of a youngin. Uh, I won't mention the facility, but uh, younger in life, I got a real intro into an interest and passion for combat sports. Got into like wrestling in the junior high age. And then by the time I was 16, 15, I'm like, this isn't scratching it. What's next? Boxing. Oh, I don't like that. Doesn't feel natural. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was where I landed. Uh, but you know, by the time I wasn't even belted yet, like I'm my third or fourth class, they're like, Oh, you seem serious about this. Do you want to hang out afterwards? And I'm like, Oh, is this extra credit? Maybe I can work towards my next belt uh, or something along those lines. And they're just like, no, 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 just hang around afterwards. Uh, in the particular facility I was training in, there were police officers. Uh, so my first session was protected. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, in the combat sports world, uh, very, very, for, for so many different reasons, cannabis is a very important part of it. Um, whether it's getting into the right mindset to go into something like a flow state for grappling so that nobody gets hurt or coming out of it like on a higher CBD end of things so that you come out wound down, part of your cool down process. I think cannabis has a huge part to play in athletics. It's being massively, massively overlooked and underplayed right now. But, you know, there's somewhere to go. Um, and then uh, personally with my own work experience, I've dabbled in everything from like, you know, your, your heavy labor down to uh, the IT industry where I actually had my own little stint with a certain regulatory board before the industry actually popped off where I was working for the AGLC. That was like my first little foray into, oh, cannabis is coming. Um, I think I'm going to get certified. Oh, I think that this is the route that my life would rather go down. So I kind of switched gears from IT, despite having my own education and everything that I had to pay for, what 
whatever. I figured my quality of life was more important. Uh, so while looking for other opportunities for employment, I happened to cop through uh, NISCU and then I see this shop out of the middle of the corner of my eye. I'm like, what's this? So I uh, stopped into Northern Light Supply, kind of expressed interest. All of a sudden they were hiring, got my foot in the door, met with Derek and Colton, the owners of that particular establishment and the family atmosphere and their own passion for it just really like drew me in. Um, by the time I, we'd even finished talking for about 20 minutes, I was I just couldn't picture my future going any other way. So I had to get my foot in the door. I waited, waited, it was painful, but I got in. <laughs> um, and then uh, there was a particular manager there at the time. I was very, very passionate about it. And uh, I was lucky enough that he took me on as a little bit of a, like in a mentor role. We got to learn a lot from him before he moved on to another part of the industry uh, in BC, actually in the entertainment aspect. Um, but yeah, I kind of blended a little bit of everything that I took in from everybody along with my own extensive, well, let's just call it like legacy experience into the butt tender and Matt moved away. Now, long story short, I've been butt tending for three years and managing a shop for almost two. Um, but very, very, very lucky and very, very glad to have the position that I'm in now. Um, but yeah, they, the uh, dispensary that I particularly work for, the owners went around and toured different spots in the United States to get an idea. When they heard that this was going to be an option, they didn't want to have another cookie cutter, like doctor's office type uh, dispensary. So they went ahead and basically renovated a space that had a long-term existing history as a uh, strip club. <laughs> no way to scare <laughs> um, Then uh, once they got that all out of the way, it was closed for a while before they transitioned it. But um, now the, the same family that's been just building uh, community presence through that establishment, other family restaurants and stuff like that. Uh, now we benefit with that, those same crowds of people that have always been involved in cannabis coming through the shop. So now we get to kind of benefit from them and they get to have a better cannabis experience for coming through and seeing us as well. Um, but now we've got a great team of people try to make it more as like a unique experience for everybody that comes through the door, whether you meet the newest person or, you know, our biggest vets when they've been there from day one, because luckily, I don't know if everybody, sh every shop can say this, but we still have some staff that have been there from day one and not at the management level the bud tenders that are passionate, the same people that have been there from day one, they still get asked about, they go on vacation, oh my goodness, where's so-and-so? That says know. a lot. Yeah, we try to really have that community impact that we, we think personally is missing from other shops. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, personal anecdotes, I've been lucky a couple times just getting away um, based on other aspects that I feel like if a uh, simple thing like the pigment of my skin, was just a little bit different. I know I wouldn't have had the same outcome. I've been very uh, lucky to have crazy experiences. Like the first time I ever consumed cannabis was with cops. And uh, I think getting away with uh, certain things that I shouldn't have been able to get away with, just based on the simple experience of like, oh, hey, you look like me. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Have a good night. Or as I know several of my own experiences and my own friends in this community, same spots. Um, their futures were drastically altered from making the same quote unquote mistakes that I made. I don't think anybody should really have to worry about that based on simple things that you're born with.
Um, yeah, that's my own little personal story and how I got in here. And now, uh, now I'm just so fucking blessed to be part of an industry where I get to do what I love every day. I work with a team of people that recognize my own expertise as something that benefits what they'd want to be a part of. We just work together towards the same dream day after day after day. I really hope that uh, more people get to experience that as their cannabis career, as opposed to something that may not be as uh, positive of an outlook. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Jordan. It's a good way to get those started. Okay, if I do my introduction next, I hear some screams coming from upstairs. Yeah, for sure. I promised, <laughs> promised I'd be there for bedtime, so... <laughs> um but yeah so I thanks for sharing your story I love hearing people's story of their why behind the industry and why getting into it and and I think that's super super powerful and cannabis didn't enter my life until like into my late 20s I was like small farming community athletic straight a student good kid never touched it signed the dare bear contract got my car headed to the city to nursing school going to be an ER and ICU nurse you know like really just like a very classic kind of privileged life in a way I guess um, and so yeah I started university really holding every single stigma about cannabis and if you would have told my like 18 year old self that I would be leaving the classic system and becoming a, like a cannabis educator cannabis advocate I would have never believed it um, and it wasn't until I think like about my third year university starting to do shift work that insomnia really started to ruin my life. It was debilitating. It was awful. And I didn't know what else to do. So, you know, just like head to the doctor, right? Like that's what I'd been taught in my life. That's what I've been taught in nursing school. Go to the doctor at like 21 and prescribe sleeping pills and anxiety meds. And those, the sleeping pills, they worked for sure. I slept, I felt horrible on them, but I slept and they were, they were my solution for five years, consistent use of sleeping pills, shameful use because I knew I wasn't supposed to be using them consecutively, but it was the only way I could survive and became heavily dependent on them. And never once in five years was I ever questioned as a 21 year old to a 26 year old, why I was on sleeping pills every single day. Never once was I questioned that script was always written and I always took them. And it wasn't until the universe slapped me in the face <laughs> that I realized that things had to change. I never loved that I took sleeping pills. I never really told anybody. I just did it. And it wasn't until I sort of, after we were married, unexpectedly became pregnant and was like, well, shit, these got to go. These like this and pregnancy don't work together. Flushed them down the toilet, vowed I'd never use them again. This was my sign from the universe, blessed with a baby. This is going to be my big changing point. Well, I didn't sleep for three weeks and I lost that pregnancy it was not my changing point. It was my rock bottom, but I'm so grateful for that experience now because that was an experience that I had to examine my stigma about cannabis. I had to look deeper into the, like into the science and learn about cannabis and start to welcome it into my life. And it started to change my life at that point. And that was my fuel to learn as much as I could I became like I was just like I had to know more and and I had and this isn't to promote cannabis use in pregnancy by any means but it was a decision I had to make to be able to have children was to use cannabis and so with my education I made my 
choice that worked for me. And I'm blessed with two beautiful boys now deeper into it. And so now in nurses, because like I mentioned in previous conversation that I never wanted anybody to journey alone when they're at that point of vulnerability, when Western medicine had maybe hurt them or, you know, they were dissatisfied with their care. I didn't want people coming to cannabis completely alone, vulnerable, scared of it, not sure what to do. I wanted to be able to hold space for them in that and provide them with education and encouragement and confidence in their use. And so every person that I interact with in my independent practice, I teach about the history of cannabis. That's how the conversation starts. Let's talk about the history. Let's examine our own personal stigmas around cannabis. And then we dive deeper into a very holistic nursing perspective about how cannabis can come into their lives. And through all of this, I was able to leave the regular medical system and only solely have my independent practice. And I mostly work with veterans now, increasing their quality of life. Here, come here for a second. Um, increasing their quality of life with cannabis. And then through all of this in 2023, um, with an institute here in Canada that does holistic nursing, I'm bringing one of the first accredited holistic nursing cannabis programs to Canada in 2023 so that we can bring more nurses into this space, serve all of Canada to be able to provide education if it's from like LPs or if it's in stores or if it's in the medical market, wherever it might be, having educated nurses, you know, bring that really respected piece of being a nurse by the public and bring cannabis education to where it needs to be. If it's uh, old age homes, if it's people suffering from mental health, if it's veterans, if it's PTSD sufferers, if it's women, whoever it might be, whatever they want to niche in, provide them with the education from a holistic nursing perspective and bring them into this space. And it's all because the medical system and myself fed myself sleeping pills for so many years until the universe shook my life up and was like, okay, things need to change. And I just, every day I'm grateful that mother earth blessed us with this beautiful feminine plant and bodies that can be nourished with this plant, especially with the proper knowledge. And so that is what fuels my passion to bring education because it changed my life and I watch it change people's lives on a daily basis. Well, that's, that's huge. And it's definitely bringing back that, <clears throat> that kind of saying where doctors treat and nurses cure, having that <laughs> ability for that holistic support yeah like there's nothing wrong with the doctors treating the disease but you need to have the nurses that round out the knowledge that they mm -hmm. just can't have because they're overwhelmed with what they need to know i'm coming right like exactly yeah. bringing the nurses in there to hold space and bring in that holistic perspective and be able to journey alongside people and get to know them get to know the individual and meet them where they're at and meet them at their goals not what my picture of health is i just want to know how you want to feel better and how i can help you get there and how can I identify your strengths and celebrate with you as this process begins to work as you sink into it, but make it a really safe place to sink into it because yeah. we're all, we're all struggling, especially post pandemic. Like no wonder CBD sales went up. The amount of anxiety that people experience now is out of this world and cannabis has an ability to help with that. And I think nurses will bring a lot of validity to this industry um and i can't wait to bring more nurses into this industry and just see where it goes i just i can't wait to see well they're they're going to be our gateway into providing full medical support for patients mm -hmm. who have no knowledge like I, that's, I that's our gateway to the medical industry i'm not gonna lie because they like yeah. i said nurses yeah. are going to be curing with the with that knowledge yeah and like, from, like when I look at 
look at my son, what is his experience going to be when he is 18 or plus? Like, how is the industry going to be different? And I want it to be incredibly normal for him. Right, Corbin? Do we like the cannabis plant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, mom, that's such a beautiful cannabis plant. <laughs> Do you like our like cannabis plants by the chicken? Ooh, massive. <laughs> <laughs> we got lots of food. Yes. But anyways, thank you so much for having me on. It was great to meet all of you guys and just hear passion again. And because, you know, I've had a really hard conversations this week with people in the industry that have really, you know, made me feel pretty down about the industry, but this kind of brought me back up again. So I appreciate that. Well, I'm really glad to have you on and this. And you really provided kind of that a little bit more scientific support to a couple of beatheads talking about some of this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> going to, right? we, we have knowledge, but it's capped at a certain amount. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been nerding out for quite a while here. So <laughs> appreciate that I could bring that to you. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. And I hope you have a good evening. Yes, we will. Okay. okay. Well, I'm sure we'll talk soon and I'll be stopping in at Northern Lights for sure. Take care. Oh, okay, it was nice to meet you. See you guys. Bye, buddy. Bye. Good night. <laughs> hey, Mike. You want to bring the show to a close? <laughs> All right. So for me, uh, cannabis came into my life a little early. Um, well, if you call 16 early, I started selling cannabis at 16. It really didn't start changing my life until I was uh, 18 or really after high school. So I noticed it was helping me from like my bipolar really helping like manage out symptoms um so that kind of changed my life in that aspect every my attitude towards cannabis flipped at that point uh and then i it was only natural for me to get into the industry when the jobs were available um and i've been a grower for the last six and a half years as well uh for my own personal medical needs and now i'm like interest i'm a student breeder so now i'm like interested in really just creating some new differentiated flavors and maybe something a, a nice new medicine for myself. It's not the same taste as what I've been used to for the last little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was a sommelier student. I got my level two sommelier. Um, I'm currently a living soil student. So I'm learning how to do that. Um, and uh, bud tending was my first retail job. Before that, I was uh, working in the restaurant industry for about five or six years. Uh, before that, I kind of just hopped between any, everything, kind of just trying to figure out where my place in the world was. Uh, obviously it's here, uh, but I tried like warehouse jobs, construction jobs, you name it, hated them all. Um, I'm happy waking up in the morning and actually going to my job now. Like it doesn't even feel like I'm working. Um, as of right now I'm in cultivation and post-harvest and I'm looking forward to getting into extraction hopefully soon in the next year. Uh, but that's, that's the next goal, the next milestone. But in the meantime, I'm really just focused on uh, creating some new seed stock and Keeping my growing line. Welcome back, you guys. And like I said, it was a long one, but a great one. I hope you've enjoyed. Let me know what you thought down in the comments. But with that being said, let's get the end card in here. Up in the corner is going to be the logo. Please hover over that. Click that subscribe button and that bell notification. Afterwards, so that you guys can get notified anytime one of these videos go live. Down below, we'll have two videos for you. One's the most recommended, the other one's the most recently uploaded. Please click on either of those or anything else that I have to offer. But for now, you guys, cheers. And stay tuned to the channel because we're going to have clips from this podcast uploading throughout the week and throughout possibly next week as well. 
to promote this pilot episode. And if you guys have enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. Let them know that we've got a new and improved version. Cheers, and I'll see you in the next one.